Hello and welcome to a new episode of the MinMax Show podcast, a place about games, friends, and getting better. My name is Ben Hansen. Thank you for being here. I'm joined by one Jeff Markifava. That's me. Joined by Leo Vader. Hey, man. Hey, man. Also joined by Sarah Podzorski. Hello. Welcome. How you doing, Sarah? My body hurts. <laughs> it hurts to sit. It hurts to move. <laughs> okay. it, my arms hurt. My legs hurt. I, I do not want to shame anybody. So we, this needs some context. So this is, um, we have New Show Plus, right, where we let people that are Patreon supporters vote for which new show we create or continue each and every week on YouTube and on Twitch. Um, and for the last two weeks, people have voted for us to create a show called We Sports. Obviously, W-E Sports. And so last week, Leo and I played basketball, and I thought I was going to die, and I think Leo did die from physical exertion. And I then so. yesterday, Sarah and I played tennis on just the grossest, most mm-hmm. dilapidated tennis court possible. On the hottest day of the week. <laughs> yeah. Go back and check the tape, because I like the video, because like, by the end of it, Sarah... I was I was serving zingers right next to you, and you were just flatly staring at them as they went I knew by. I wasn't going to make it. I could calculate the distance and the effort it would take, and it just didn't seem worth it. Right, right. There wasn't a return on investment there. Right, I get it. Uh, Je- Jeff, how did that look to you as the official commentator for Wii Sports Tennis? Oh, it was incredible. <laughs> um, just sportsmanship at the highest level right. on both sides. Plus then also a weird game of hide and seek well um, we had to entertain ourselves Sarah around the neighborhood <laughs> yet let ye without sin cast the first stone if you've never transitioned to show about tennis and to show about hide and go seek uh well Sarah I hope that you know I hope mm-hmm. you recover by next week so we can play I don't know what's the most intense sport we could do tackle football for Wii Sports oh, next week <laughs> anyways you vote for that over there on Patreon uh we're gonna be talking about some games on this here episode of the podcast we're gonna be talking about roller drone we're gonna be talking about final fantasy 15 that can't be right what year is it just came out that's in right my mind. uh into the breach we're gonna be talking about hitman's new level and then we're gonna be joined by one jacob geller and then also jenna steber former senior video producer from polygon so you're gonna join us we're gonna unpack the big pokemon presents that happened this week with new details on violet and scarlet uh then back after the show boy do we have some community questions we got some real smart community questions that everybody submitted over there on patreon on uh leo genuinely one of my favorite things and i'm not picking favorites but i feel like it feels extra special with you because i can never predict your taste but one of my favorite things is when we dish out a code for some game and then you just start to hear rumblings of how much somebody likes it and i feel like that was the case with you in this roller drome of i think like in a dm somewhere or something you're like by the roller drum it's really 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 good it's like oh thank god i'm so glad that you found your new love and who would have expected that it's roller drome um leo what is roller drome uh you're roller skating and doing flips and tricks while shooting guys in arena based settings uh, if you've seen the trailer, you're doing stuff that you're not really familiar with doing in a game, like aiming as you flip 360 degrees vertically, carrying the crosshair throughout that flip. You know, it's something that you just don't do in first person or third person shooters. Right. And you don't picture how it can really work or feel intuitive. It's like, seems like it's just for the trailer, but you're doing trailer style stuff all the time in this game. So, okay, I, I'm still confused with this. It's been pitched as it's Tony Hawk, but on roller skates and then with guns. Um, the part that I understand is I heard people talking about a podcast and it's like, you can't fall? Yeah. How does that work? Um, 
you do tricks as a way of getting your ammo back. It's the only way to get your ammo back. Okay. And it's true you can't fall, but it's still very Tony Hawky in the sense that there are, you know, 12 challenges, some of which are do this trick in this specific spot, which is very nostalgic, very classic Tony Hawk style objective. But it's still challenging because you're like dodging at the right time. You're still dying from getting shot uh, a lot. It gets pretty hard. Weird. But it's, yeah, the, doing the tricks, I guess, isn't strictly tough, yeah. which is fine. But it's remembering to keep a variety of tricks to get more points and to get more ammo. Jeff and Sarah, have you seen this? Have you seen trailers for this freaking thing? Yeah, I think they showed it during some press conference and we yeah. all agreed that it Looked amazing, but we didn't know how it was going to play exactly. Right, right. And it turns out it's the, it is the peanut butter and chocolate that you're hoping it was Leo. Pretty much, yeah. It's got a really good uh, flow state. Once you get your feet under you and you're really going, it's, it feels amazing. It's easy to be punished. Like there, again, it does get very hard if you're not paying attention, but the doing tricks, shooting one guy in midair, flipping in midair, killing another guy before you land, all that stuff works amazing it feels great and again how hard it's getting later yeah. on it gets me really excited to see like the skill ceiling of this game they're going to be some really beautiful looking runs to watch you know that's so weird so it's not out yet it's coming out august 16th this thing um it's a weird summer for you for rollerblading leo like i know rollerblading is <laughs> big on tiktok or whatever the hell but like between this and roller champions like a lot of rollerblading in your life or skating thank you yeah. i hope they combine them into one game <laughs> So the weird thing is this is Private Division who's publishing this. As everybody knows, the uh, people who originally funded The Outer Worlds is probably their biggest claim to fame at this point. Um, but then it's Roll7, who's the developer, who's made the Ollie Ollie World games. But the wild thing is like, well, Ollie Ollie World just came out earlier this year and there's still an expansion coming. But this is also Roll7 and then this is just a third person game that looks pretty damn different compared to everything else they've done. And as far as I can tell, it seems like it's kind of like a Hello Games and Last Campfire situation where it was like another developer and then Roll 7's like, oh, actually, you can work on this and we'll just make it a Roll 7 project and we'll help out a little bit here and there, but it's kind of like a different team being absorbed into this. So now Roll 7 just become like the ultimate extreme sports studio somehow. It's wild. I'm on board for it. Yeah. Uh, any other big thoughts on Rollerdrome, Leo, other than that it's a PlayStation console exclusive? What? Oh, console exclusive, yeah, right? Yeah. I've been playing it on Steam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. It's great. I, I hope people play it. I uh, am excited to fill out the challenges one by one. It's not like you have to do them all in one run. Yeah. So you can focus on specific ones per run. Again, classic Tony Hawk. It's, right. it's interesting how much it's scratching that itch despite, you know, there's no grind balancing. It's, you know, it's a lot more about combat, obviously. Yeah. Do you, if you had to predict it, will Jeffum like this game? Yes. Okay. Okay. There you go, Jeff. Lock it in, baby. Gotta play it now. Gotta play it. No way out. Rollerdrome, everybody. August 16th. Run, don't walk. Um, Sarah, I feel like yeah. in our in our Monday meeting, sometimes we talk about, um, like, oh, you stream so many damn games on your own Twitch channel. Mm -hmm. Usually it's like Yakuza uh, 1 through 6 in some wild marathon or something. Um, but then I feel like there's never a great opportunity to talk about that. But mm -hmm. but you've been going hot and heavy with Final Fantasy 15 on your Twitch account? It just, I feel like it just wore me down, yeah. right? Because we all remember our initial reactions to when it was announced. Ooh. And either you loved it or you were like, mm, maybe not for me. Right. But after all these years, I was like, you know what? 
maybe I will just, I'll just try it. I'll just give it a try. I mean, you know, it's like a bunch of dudes in a car, right? <laughs> like, I, this looks fun. It looks like some good fun. Right. Um, so I picked it up. And I feel like I feel like Marie Kondo because I'm just like, I love mess. I love yes. mess. I love this game. I love mess. Uh, you can you can sense the development cycle while playing this game, you know, because I know like people are like filling in the backstory of what happened. Final Fantasy, like in all in development and like 13. you can feel it when you play the game. Um, yes. Especially There's so like with much like, going on in this game. Yeah. So much going on. It feels like they had to remove a big part of the game. And that big part was any context whatsoever as to what's going on in the game. It's uh, not so important. I made, I made a list of all the other media you can consume to understand what is going on in this game. It's like a little scavenger hunt. Yeah, the media that you will consume, I think, is a bit of a Yeah, oh, abs- oh, for sure. So right. we have A King's Tale, which was a game, what? which is, takes place 30 years before the start of this game. It's Noctis' father. Well, I don't and even remember what that is. Final is it like a downloadable thing? Yeah, it's a, a game. A 2D side-scrolling brawler. God, I completely forgot about this. Yep, yep, you and everybody else. Okay. And then we have the anime Brotherhood, which is five episodes which is a look into every single of Noctis's bros. Right. And their relationship. Because you won't you won't really get that playing the game. You know? <laughs> yep. You don't really get a sense for like what anyone's relationship is. You can you and can kind you of read into it a little bit, but that's kind a of my bit. that's my problem with the game is like starting out with just the four guys. Like I like the adventure of like recruiting new buddies in a Final Fantasy game when it's just I don't know our car broke down. You can kind of get mm-hmm. the idea. I'm this type of person, let's move on. It's, and it's less so exciting. Much, like they chat with each other. But it it's not nothing's like revealing in their chats. Yeah. You know, they're like, Ignis, why do you wear glasses? Like, <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Oh, it's like, do you want to seem like you're smart or something? Also, um, who are then, you and how movie. do I know you? Right. And then you have the movie Steve so Kingsglaive, which I'm apparently playing an updated version of Final Fantasy 15 where yeah. they patched in some context. So oh. while you play the game, they patched in scenes from the movie. Right. To sort of give context to what is happening in the game yeah that, yep. there's a part in the beginning of the game where the kingdom has fallen but you don't know that ignis just walks into your room and he's like noctis read all about it extra extra the newspaper says the kingdom's fallen and your dad is dead <laughs> right right and noctis is like no way dude but they patched in a scene from the movie so you can watch it explode that is so odd um and yep. i've i've seen king's glaive I remember very little about it, but I remember confidently thinking, well, this is the best Final Fantasy movie uh, after watching it. Like, and I'm... What is it up against, really? It's up against... Have you ever seen Advent Children? I've only seen anime music videos. Okay, well then... Okay, you're kind of missing out on that, because that's a film. That's a whole experience. Have you ever seen Final Fantasy The Spirits Within? No. Okay, well, you're missing out. That's a whole life experience. That's a film. Uh, Have you ever seen... They, I think they made an animated version. Help me chat. I want to say it's based on Final Fantasy IV that's in Japan only. Have you seen that? No. Okay, well then that's the competition. So Kingsglaive <laughs> can beat it. It's got uh, Aaron Paul in it, I think. It's got Lena Headey from Game of mm-hmm, Thrones. Mm-hmm. It's got all your favorite uh, actors in there. And it looks cool, mm-hmm. you know. Ooh, hang on. Okay, there's more. There's more. Oh, God. Um, well, some of these are confusing. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
Brotherhood? That's the anime? That's the anime. Okay, well that's confusing. And then there's like the Last Order from Fantasy VII anime. That that doesn't count. Final Fantasy Legend of the Crystals from 1994. <laughs> it's based on Final Fantasy V. That's what it is. Oh God. Have you seen Final <laughs> Fantasy XIV, Dad of Light, Sarah? No, I haven't seen Daddy of Light. Which is a documentary about a dad playing Final Fantasy XIV? With a son. Oh man. All right. Well, look forward to our commentary tracks on all of these. It's going to be stellar. Um, okay. So I, it, it's a mess, but are mm. you enjoying your time with it or is it more just like a curiosity? Cause that's, I, mean, I get that feeling that it feels so stitched together and odd. It does. But like the, the pros of it is that it still has final fantasy stuff. The pros is that there's still final fantasy hidden <laughs> amongst the road trip on the backdrop of a kingdom collapsing that nobody seems to care about. Right. One right. bit. Um, so you still get chocobos, which are amazing. You still get all the summons, which are great to see. Yeah. I played the Final Fantasy XIV quest, which in Final Fantasy XV, and that was amazing. That was probably my favorite part of the game so far. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Was, what, what is it? There's a Final Fantasy XIV quest, side quest within Final Fantasy XV. Oh, weird. And it's amazing because they use the Final Fantasy XIV UI. And they used the Final Fantasy XIV music and songs, and I was just like, wow, the best part of Final Fantasy XV for me was when they tricked me into thinking I was playing Final <laughs> Fantasy XIV for a little bit. It's a stellar review. Hey, can we... They made the... God, was this the stuff that was canceled? They made the multiplayer DLC for fifteen, right? I don't know. I think they did. I think there's a universe where we could play Final Fantasy XV together for, like, New Show Plus or something. Would you just like pay, like play one of the boys? I think it's like which you would be a better own... experience because my boys tend to just walk around while I'm getting my ass kicked. Yeah, yeah, I could improve it for you with my little creative character. I think. <laughs> um, have you or do you have any plans on playing the ultimate Final Fantasy game, Final Fantasy 15 Monsters of the Deep, uh, the VR fishing game? Oh, the VR fishing game. I've been told that it was quite an experience yeah we we streamed all of it it is absolutely bananas like it builds to a point where the final boss is like a fish falling from the heavens and it's basically a god fish it feels like what a final fantasy final boss should look like but it's the most absurd thing in the world in a fishing mm -hmm. game but it's a must play i think but do, you, do you still catch it like a normal fish i think so but it I'm falls from the sky yeah it, it's like that's like its ultimate move is it jumps up to like the moon and then comes down crashing down on you and tries to kill you but i forget if you have to like set the hook in its dumb mouth or whatever happens there it's a, it's a hell of a game uh is it is it fun is like you go in with like the attitude of like oh yeah, i'll get to yeah. dunk on these four boys but you're actually gonna stick with it yeah i mean if you've ever looked at final fantasy 15 and you're like wow that just looks like the weirdest gaming experience that i could experience yeah and I feel like you should pick it up. You should check it out. It's fun. And if you don't care much about understanding what's going on or context, <laughs> it's fun to drive the car around and listen to music with the boys yep. and then ride your chocobos. I like driving around and staying at hotels and camping and stuff. I've started that game twice and played yes. it a good bit. And then you get to like the first story part that says you're not going to be able to drive around for a while. And I've never mm -hmm. made it through that part. <laughs> what's the point? When yeah. the car gets kidnapped. Yeah. This is up there for the games that I've, play the beginning of more than any other for like modern AAA stuff is when I was streaming it I had several people say that they also started it yes. and then just stopped I'd love to see that data a lot of people seem like they hit a certain point early on in the game where they just didn't 
feel like they could go any further. Yep. Yep. I, uh, okay, let's see. So we visited Square Enix for the cover story for Game Informer for this. And so played through the opening, th- like opening three hours, and then played through the opening three hours again so we could capture it. And then I think there might have been a demo of the opening. And then when it came out, I started it and got a little ways in and then fell off. And then the Pocket Edition was released where it's like the weird chibi version. You can play it on Switch. Downloaded that, played the opening couple hours in that. And then it was like, okay, I can go back to the real thing now. Played the opening hours again. It's like, I've seen them push that car so many <laughs> damn times. I can't do it anymore. Um, and then super obscure deep cut. But uh, when we visited that studio for Final Fantasy 15, it was an amazing trip. And we spent like a week at Square and all that fun stuff. But um, the opening area where it's kind of like the dusty kind of american southwest kind of look and you're running around killing monsters and you're all that nonsense um in the build that we played which is an early version of final fantasy 15 they had neil young's heart of gold on loop when you're running around and killing all the monsters it must have just been like placeholder tone music uh mm-hmm. before shimamura could create the soundtrack or whatever but it's just this weird feeling like are they actually going to have like heart of gold in this game and then uh, at a certain point on that trip, uh, some folks on the team, like producers and folks, we all went out to karaoke. And I was so excited. I'm like, boy, do I got one for you, fellas. And booted up Neil Young's Heart of Gold. And there was just, like a room full of Japanese developers, like with the most blank stare of like, who is Neil Young? What is this? Like, it's in your game. It is looping endlessly in your game. They're like, we don't know this song. It's like, oh my God. We don't play that. Yeah, this is just what background you... orchestral music that was placeholder. I don't know. Should have sang that. Yeah, I really should have. Uh, all right, 15. Uh, if people want to watch you stream it, Sarah, where should they go? What should they do with their lives? They can look at my Twitch channel, at uh, Sarah Pods. And I don't know how much longer there is of the story. Yeah. But it's pretty easy. I will say I'm playing on normal mode. It's pretty easy to play and just kind of like grind through the main story. So Hell if, yeah. you're inter- if you've ever at all been interested in driving around in a car with five Final Fantasy boys, consider this your opportunity. Yep. Don't forget about it. I definitely feel like I got my money's worth despite <laughs> never having progressed past that. <laughs> uh, hey, Jeff, um, on MinMax's Twitch channel, you're streaming this uh, Into the Breach Advanced Edition uh, last Thursday. I did. Well, it's questionable whether I was um, streaming the advanced part of it. Oh. I I don't know. I started, uh, you know, like a new run and had my saved stuff. And I checked off, add all the new stuff into it. um, But I can't remember what the heck was in that game to begin with. So I don't know (laughs) if I saw new stuff or not. Leo, do you have a good sense? But I had a heck of a time. Hell yeah. Um, I'm kind of on the same page with events. Like I haven't noticed any that are super feel new, but the, like, there's a second page of mechs now that you're choosing. Did you choose from that? It used to be one big page and now it's put on. I, I like started the run and it already had some picked and I couldn't figure out (laughs) like it's, it's a, it's a hard, it's hard to go back to a game that you played like six years ago and they assume you still know how to play because you're on your old save file, but so they didn't explain anything to me. Uh, so it was a lot of learning on the go, but I was playing as like the judo mech team. Classic team, one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Leo, I don't remember you being a big champion for this game back when it came out, but is it a secret love affair of yours? Yeah. I think it's absolutely a perfect game. It's definitely in my top 10. I got into it again more than ever on Switch like this past winter. So oh, yeah. it was relatively fresh for me. Yeah. So this is the tactical 
game from subset the folks who made ftl and whatnot but yeah i remember when it first came out like matt miller reviewing it at game reformer and he had that moment of like coming in after the weekend and be like this might be a hall of famer everybody this is (laughs) this is quite up there just in terms of the brilliant simplicity but if you like tactics games like yeah into the breach is about as good as you can do well and it's weird because when I think of tactics games, there's so little about it that actually kind of overlaps with that because it's really, you're not necessarily trying to kill enemies. It, it feels to me like a puzzle game mm. more than anything else mm-hmm. where they, you, you go into a turn in a battle and you're basically just trying to neutralize everything bad that's happening. And you're pushing enemies around, you're pulling them, you're moving your characters around just to kind of get everything so that nothing's getting damaged. None of the buildings are getting damaged. Hopefully you're not taking too much damage. You, you can if you need to or whatever. Yeah. But you, you just try and get everything out. And then you basically press the next turn button. And the enemies move around. And they kind of spawn more. And then it just sets up another puzzle for you to figure out. And you're just, you just need to string along like you know, like four or five turns and then you're out. And it doesn't, it doesn't really matter if you killed them or anything. But it, it feels very different from... The usual, you know, like XCOM or any kind of tactics game where it's like, okay, well, I'm going to move over here and then I'm going to use a fireball and that's going to take down half of your health. And then, you know, you're going to break, you know, like they're going to attack back. It's like the combat is is there, but it's really just it's it's more chess like to it. It's just I want to maneuver you into a place where you're not hitting something that I need safe or Ideally, you're hitting one of your own other enemies and it's and all the different mechs are really built around that. It's it's not like this one has more attack power or anything like that. It's this one has a really weird specialized set of moves that meshes well with the other mechs in that group. And I have no idea how they tuned the difficulty so well, because you'll be sitting there, you've been presented with what's going on. The enemies have moved into their positions and you see this one's about to attack this building. This one's about to attack my guy. There's like five guys. I only have three mechs. This is impossible. I'm pissed off. This can't be completed. And you sit there and you stare at it for 10 minutes until eventually Mm -hmm. you go, if I do everything exactly right here, I actually can, if not kill everybody, like push them out of the way to neutralize their next turn. I had a moment like that with some of the new mechs who were fun to play with and do have that like, the one one I was working with had some of that movement that like the judo mechs uh, Jeffen was talking about have, where it's all about placing them in the right spot. And it was, yeah, this guy's on the other side of the map. He's about to destroy this building. It's my last turn. I could just eat it and be fine, but let me really make sure there's nothing I can do here. And eventually I was like, okay, if I take my one guy who can get there, but is too weak to take any damage, I get him near there and pull the other guy a square further than he can go and use my third mech to ricochet a bullet off of my friendly mech who can survive the hit to then hit that guy and push him away from the building on the last turn. Mm -hmm. And that stuff is just, you feel like a a genius. And again, if I was playtesting the game, I'd be like, we have to turn the difficulty down. There's too many guys spawning. Yeah. But it really is possible if you just really, really take your time and think about it. (laughs) Believe in yourself. Yeah, I actually went back and started playing this game again just on the Steam Deck because there is something so beautiful about having this like in in a handheld mode, you know. Um, And now it's into that whole bundle of Netflix games where if you have Netflix, you can play it on your phone through the Netflix app. It's strange. Yeah, which is which is how I started doing it after um, after that stream. Oh, really? 
it, it was it was worth downloading net, the Netflix app to my phone and having to reset my password because I have no idea what my Netflix password. No like one going does. through all those things, um, it was actually worth it. it. You know, it plays. It I guess it's not like a huge surprise or anything, but it plays perfect on a touch screen, uh, and it it is. It is a perfect, you know, bite-sized little game for that kind of thing. You can do one turn and feel really satisfied and then go off and do something and come back later. And it's not like, oh, I've I've completely lost, you know, what the flow of the battle is. Or that like that's that's always my problem with XCOM. Like I have started so many XCOM games because it's like you get, you know, neck deep into a scenario and then if you lose it and you come back it's like wait what's going on with the base building and all this stuff like you can you could just play one random turn from a battle from this game from a larger you know roguelike campaign from it you know like a week from now and it would still feel good unless you've completely forgotten what all the mechs do which is which was my initial problem but yeah now i'm back into it so i would love to know if people are playing games through their netflix app on their phone like you know GameSpot had an opinion piece going up this week about like oh netflix is actually kicking ass in games it kind of just feels like it's like a second apple arcade or something at this point with like oh here's all these games you can play through the app if you're interested and we have new exciting games coming up but like hey play kentucky red zero on your app or on your phone or you can play you know spirit fair on your phone it's subtly encroaching into the gaming space in a more successful way than i expected i think um, so yeah, I'm curious. So leave a comment if you're playing on that freaking thing. But Into the Breach! Yeah. Advanced Edition, everybody. I, yeah, I looked through the other Netflix games and it, it seemed like a real hodgepodge. I guess people are saying Before Your Eyes is on there yeah, now. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. And some some more interesting ones. But yeah, this was, this was the one to get me into it, at least. Yeah, right on. Uh, people, by the way, can watch us live at the Backstage Pass here on Patreon, which is a $10 tier. Um, we appreciate everybody jumping in there. Uh, let's see, Nick jumped in there and he said, hey, uh, y'all talk about Xenoblade Chronicles 3 yet? No! Um, I am looking forward to checking that game out. Uh, Kelsey Lewin um, has it and is playing through it. And then I got a code and I haven't started it yet because I'm nearing the end, I think, of Live Alive. Um, so I'm going to wrap up Live Alive, which by the way, Frickin' rules. Sarah, I think you should play Live Alive. I think it's a fun game to stream. It's so weird, and, like, it's just a series of short little RPG stories that I think you would like, even though they're old sprites, I swear. I'll add it to the list. Okay. Oh, you know, it's... A, if I told you it was a spinoff of Final Fantasy XV, would you be more interested in Live Alive? No. Okay. Because Final Fantasy 15 has a lot of spinoffs. Yeah, you're right. Including all of the DLCs. Let's see. What did I call oh, it? Oh, yeah. Five DLCs for every character who isn't Noctis or a woman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to playing Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Uh, Shango Kongo says that it rules. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I hope to... Hopefully we can do a max spoilers for Live Alive once we wrap that up, and then Xenoblade Chronicles 3. But there's a lot of good RPG stuff to get through here. Um, also... Just a heads up for folks, we did like the big game championship poll where instead of doing all on Twitter like we did last time, uh, this time we made it a fusion. So we had people on Patreon vote and the grand finale poll was happening on Twitter to determine out of all the games that people have chosen to be the champion of at that $50 tier, we took the last three months, boiled it down, and the last game standing, believe it or not, 
was the Legend of Zelda: The Wind Waker. Everybody, I was sweating. It was close. It re- Final Fantasy X. I was sweating. Final Fantasy X was getting out of the gate strong. It was. It was. I would not. I would not have expected it to be that strong. Nope. And then KOTOR 2 was second behind that. And then it was Wind Waker. And then it was Bioshock. And that was like the first day. And then it started to pivot and everybody said, oh wait, no, Wind Waker is actually the best game. And everybody just jumped in there in the vote then got a little lopsided. So we're creating a one-off piece of bonus content about that. And we reached out to the person who was the champion of the Wind Waker, who's Atsigo12. And so like, hey, what type of content do you want to make? So we're going to go back and forth with them and figure out what we as a group would like to make. Sarah, what do you think is like the best Wind Waker content we could make for like a one-off thing? Other than a deepest dive, because we're saving that for when the Switch version releases inevitably, I think we need to get into one of those swan boats and try to paddle across a lake and see how we like it. I like that idea, but you swung a tennis racket two times yesterday and you seemed like you're going to die. <laughs> I, so. I was going to be yeah. in the boat. You know, they have like the little seats in the back for the kids. Right, that right. That don't have paddles. That's where I'll be. And you're going to have don't like you that. Just, don't you just play a little song and then the wind blows you? Yeah. That would help. And then Sarah, you can also have like the big blob of snot coming out of your yeah, nose like the kid in Wind Waker. Yeah, please. I think you make a Whatever great Whatever it takes to kid. not have to pedal. <laughs> okay. Uh, Leo, what is this uh, new Hitman? Map? Okay, first off, I don't appreciate that tone, man. <laughs> okay, here we go. Hang yeah. on. Hey, hey, get, a, get, a, get a load of this early, everybody. Get a load of this. Everybody's favorite developer, IO, they split off. They're doing their own thing. They're kicking yep. ass. They released Hitman 3. Hell of a game. Everybody loved it. And then they said, but wait, we've got more. And they just kept serving up good dishes. Eat. Eat the feast, they say. <laughs> One meal at a time. We have a roguelite mode coming up later or something. But hey, before that comes out... Here's an island, and we call it Ambrose <laughs> Island. Welcome to adventure. Leo Vader, the floor is yours. Well put. Thank you. <clears throat> um, before I begin, I should <laughs> disclose that my love for Hitman is unconditional, and I'd pretend this level was good even if it wasn't. Okay, yeah. But I really, <laughs> really love this new level. It's uh, set at night, set on a like pirate island Ooh. with a bar where out front there's this slapping contest going on. A totally new type of mechanic where NPCs are like watching the crowd and dynamically walking up and challenging each other to slap fights. What? And you can get involved and you can do like a QTE slap fight that if you just slap everybody in a certain faction and then something will happen. <laughs> Hang on, is this, and, like, is this based, you think, on, on something? <laughs> On, like, some island culture or something? Yeah, or a movie reference or something. Huh. They got a lot of those. But it's probably not the biggest level in Hitman 3. Certainly not in Hitman 3. Uh, It's a little more grounded and smaller. I feel like you can tell that the budget is maybe a little bit lower. Oh, interesting. It's kind of like maybe like a B team thing because everybody else is rolling off onto Bond at this point? Yeah, probably. But it is... I respect them so much for in what is probably the final map this game is going to get after they've built so much already that there are new mechanics like they've added brand new mechanics like that into it. And not even just that, but there's all sorts of secrets and new ways to engage with the level. There's like a series of side quests you can do for the bar owner. There's a guy who can make poisons for you out of different things you bring him. There's a, I guess maybe if you care about the level, don't let me spoil all of the cool things about it for you. 
but there's ruins with a ton of breakable walls that you can like bring explosives to get through or put a cannonball and gunpowder into a cannon and blast open and use that to strategically get to different parts. And the sheer fact that you are getting crucial intel that plays into uh, how the two targets will react to each other. And you can get that intel to them in a bunch of different ways and get that intel in a bunch of different ways. It's like maybe smaller in terms of overall things you can do, but bigger in terms of what you can do with them. Like short but wide, I feel like, is what people describe things like that. Yeah. But there's so I, I'm really in love with this level, and the sheer fact we got another level is great, and I really have always just loved looking at that list of destinations, going, what is the vibe that I want to experience right now? A vacation vibe, a New York bank vibe, and this is a new type of vibe that I'll be glad to be able to choose from. Dark island with slapping. I think that's a vibe we can all get on board with. Exactly. Yeah. What do, What is their roadmap? They got, am I right that roguelite mode is, is coming still? This fall, it was going to be before the map, but they switched it. Okay. So yeah, still coming. People have overall been disappointed by the support of Hitman 3 in contrast with Hitman 2, mm. which also had its monthly roadmap, but had a lot more content on it versus kind of been a lot of featured contracts. But I've got plenty to do in that game still. I still play it every week and I still have a new amazing experience every time. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Hey, we're happy for you. Thanks, man. You're doing it. Hold your head up. Don't look down. Don't look down. Come on, man. No, it's good. It's good no, that audio is stupid. making you happy. No, it's not stupid. <laughs> Hitman's cool. Age of 47 is scary or whatever he's trying to be. <laughs> He's... I feel so little about that character as much as I've tried to over years with that trilogy. Is it? He could be anyone. What's going on in that Hitman Reddit? Do, do people really care about Agent 47, at least in the Reddit? Is it like fan art or anything fun like that? For sure. There's a fair share of uh, perverts or whatever. Oh, great. That, you know, <laughs> I wish he was as cool as he used to be. Where's his dual pistols? That's what makes a good game. <laughs> Stuff like that. I get it, yeah. Uh, well, hey, uh, Jeff, um, is there anything else you want to say before you, uh, clap on out of here, big boy? No, I, I loved every minute of this, but I've had my fill. Okay. <laughs> Bye, dude. See ya. Oh my God. We're joined by contributor hey, Jacob Jeff. Geller. Hello. Hello. Welcome. And joined by Jenna Steber, formerly of Polygon. Welcome. Hello. Currently of existence. Yeah. All right. So, Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, help me out. It's Steber. That's right. Yeah, okay. you nailed it. Thank you for putting that on your Twitter profile. <laughs> it helps in such a huge way. It's just a delight to see that. It makes it very easy. Um, so you were at Polygon, the senior video producer, for how long? Uh, four and a half years. Oh, my gosh. Congratulations. Um, thank you. And then recently they said, eh, not so much. We have to let some people go, including you. Yep. Yep, I was among a number of people laid off by Vox. Yeah, sorry to hear it. Um, how you doing? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm still in just like a mental tailspin. Uh, and, you know, that's okay. I, I feel okay. And I know I'm going to be okay. And I know I'm going to land on my feet. But that doesn't make falling any less scary. Yeah. Were you shocked by the amount of people that reached out, that sent love your way? That must be a nice way to kind of buoy the experience, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. In 99.999% in, in, in of the ways, that was really nice. There was one 
zero zero one percent in which it was like watching my own funeral. <laughs> just, it was just a small the part thing of that it we all want to do. Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> we? We're all huck finning over here, I guess. Yeah. yeah, it's just mostly it's really really great, but part of me is just like, well, mm-hmm. I something has ended and something is over, and yeah. I'm watching that transition happen live, and it's been just humbling is not the right word. It, whatever the opposite of humbling is, that is what it has been like. It's to, made you to new- hear. Okay. To hear all the outpouring. So you're like an egomaniac now? Yeah, I love myself now. <laughs> okay. <kid>. Congratulations. <laughs> you did it. You solved the internet. You've actually got love coming <laughs> out the other end. Um, are you from Wisconsin or did you just go to school in Wisconsin? I just went to school there. I'm from Southern Illinois originally, right across the river from St. Louis. Oh, right on. Where'd you go to school in Wisconsin? Uh, University of Wisconsin, Madison, the flagship. Oh, beautiful. Sarah is, I think, hissing at that very notion. No, but it's like when you ask someone where they, if they say they go to school in Wisconsin, they probably went to Madison. Yeah. Statistically, yeah. Statistically. (laughs) Yeah, my sister went to Eau Claire. I applied to Stout. I was almost a Stout lad for some reason. I don't know. Stout lad's a pretty good pretty good like nickname though thank you thank no, you so much shame. i've got it for it um well, welcome <laughs> aboard jenna it's it's awesome to have you on this episode um yeah you, you can't go wrong uh, feel free to crack wise and jump in here's what something i appreciate you about you is um sent you a dm basically out of the blue and <laughs> <laughs> i don't mean to to call you out here but i i loved it every response to every dm i sent you about planning for this you responded with an answer and then a joke <laughs> It felt like even in your DMs, you're like, wow, bada ba, ready to go. It was it was very uh, delightful. So thank you for that. That's the nicest read I've ever had. Thank you. <laughs> um, did everybody watch this Pokemon Presents thing that happened there? Uh, Leo and Jacob, I know you're not the biggest Pokemon fans in the world, but did anything cross your feed at least for what's going on I in this watched, freak show? I watched a little of you reacting to it. Okay, uh, and that Kelsey was and I, yeah. that was the. I was just like, how. <laughs> How does the MinMax crew feel about this? And then I'll just try and emulate those feelings. Okay, and okay, parrot it back to us. How are we feeling about it? Oh, <laughs> that seems pretty cool. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, Kelsey Lewin had to wake up at freaking five thirty in the morning just to, to get this reaction stream. So she she was a real trooper. She actually had some real emotions uh, watching this thing, whereas I think most people would just be rubbing their eyes for twenty minutes and then falling back asleep. Um, but Pokemon Presents, uh, they went through, uh, they got updates for Pokemon Masters EX and Pokemon Unite and the championships, all that funky stuff, you know, Mewtwo's and Cafe Mix, you know, the standard kind of Pokemon Presents level updates. And then, Sarah, stop me if I'm wrong. Can we just get to the kitten caboodle here with Scarlet and Violet? Which part? I don't know. Was there anything in the buildup that caught your eye that was interesting before we got to Scarlet and Violet? Oh, I liked the Pokemon Unite Pika stage where you yes. all play as Pikachu. Yes. I like, that actually, I mean, I was like, I'm not closer to reinstalling it, but I am a smidge more interested in playing it. It is weird. And I do like that idea of just like, yeah, okay, here's our iconic character from the brand. What if we just went all in on the thing that's mm-hmm. the most iconic and have a stage that's just Pikachu's vomiting out other Pikachu's. Maybe <laughs> this will rope you losers in. Um, and some are big, some are small. There's no mm. ending. They've all got different hats and different little pants on. Yep. I think it's good to know. Yep, it's, it's cute. And then we got to Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, and they showed a new trailer and then kind of walked through some of this new stuff. Um, Leo, 
I don't know if this is going to pique your interest. What if I told you that in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, they frame this as the first truly open-world Pokemon experience? Anything? Oh, you're muted, actually? Unless you're what just... <laughs> Haven't we heard that before? <laughs> well, so I think it's an interesting thing. I think we said that for Pokemon Legends Arceus, and you could definitely make that case, but I don't think they technically ever use the word, word open world just so they could save it for this. Jenna, am I wrong? Did they say like, I think they pulled like the open region move or something maybe? Oh, you might be right. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm going back over my memory. Um, unfortunately, my memory's terrible. So I'm like, yeah, that sounds... That sounds weird, but it's possible. Yeah, it was a really, it's its not quite the impact that they wanted to have. Like, look at this, an open world Pokemon game. It's like, yeah, I feel like we just played one like three months ago and it was really good and we all liked it. So the impact of this isn't exactly hitting. But uh, Jenna, what's out to you about that trailer? Or the whole presentation? <laughs> the, the motorcycle Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> the bike Pokemon. Really just flabbergasted at the design <laughs> and the extent to which Nintendo has just gone all in on all of our Pokemon are either objects or food now. Right, um, right. So between that and um, what was it? Oh, God, what was the dog named one? Fido. Fido, Fido yes, mm -hmm. which I recently learned the Japanese name is Papimochi. Papi Mm -hmm. very it's really good. good. Okay, so it's part dog, part bread, everybody's new favorite, Fido. Um, and apparently it's breath, like, it's like yeasty. It's breath ferments <laughs> things, which is why it's like a national, like they're protecting it. It's gross. Oh, okay. I also yeah, think like I a, saw... <laughs> I think I saw that it weighs 24 pounds, which is an oh, enormous amount for a small dog. Oh, he danced. Oh, I thought you were going to say that's an enormous amount for bread, but that's like a dream oh, loaf of I bread. I mean, 24 pounds of bread, it's a lot. Somebody, now Sarah, you come from the localization scene, so I'm curious if you can yeah. top this off the top of your head. But somebody on Reddit, I think very correctly pointed out that the evolution of this thing is going to be called pure bread, right? Like, there's no way that no. they can't go for that. I was actually, when I saw Fido, I was like, are they like working backwards from a name to a Pokemon? Because, oh, like, interesting. I don't know. Like the idea of like Fido, Fido, like it just seems too perfect mm -hmm. in my mind. Like it's just, it, I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm like, are you just going backwards from the name now? Like We're all overthinking Pokemon at this point, but I think they, they're smart. They have gotten the marketing for Pokemon games down to a T of like, we're not going to show you the cool Pokemon out of the gate. We're going to show you the ones that'll get you talking. We're going to show you mm -hmm. the weirdos, the losers that you're going to forget are even in the game by the time this game rolls around. But it freaking <laughs> works. Like, you can light the internet on fire if you have a dog made out of bread, it turns out. Mm -hmm. It's a lesson from Stray, I think. Just lean into the animals and people will love it. Um, but we learned uh, that the region, which is based on Spain, that we now have a name. It's Paldea, everybody. And um, look, Leo... Maybe the open world thing didn't do it for you, but yeah, what if I told you again what Jen already said, which is that you get a legendary Pokemon, I'd imagine earlier in the game than normal, and then mm -hmm. it's also a motorcycle, and then you can ride it around. Is it really loud? Does it have the muffler off? It would be funny if the entire time it was moving, it was making like the digitized Pokemon cry, just like, <laughs> it's like it won't stop as it's flooring it. Okay, what, what if though, what, Leo, what if I told you that there's two of them, depending on which version of the game you got, and one of these motorcycles, if you get the uh, Scarlet version, it also has legs, and so then as the wheels of the motorcycle are running, there's also four legs, like, running mm -hmm. along the side of the mm -hmm. wheels. 
And where do I pre-order this? Uh, you can go to <laughs> Nintendo.org, everybody. Uh, it, is, it is bizarre. People on the Reddit are like deeply disturbed by the idea of why does it have the legs if it's just running alongside the wheels? I'm with it. Have you ever I'm seen? Have you ever seen those like uh, very kind of medically accurate anatomical portraits that people will do of Pokemon where it's like, here's what like a Charizard's anatomy would look like if it was one. Intimately, yes. We gotta we gotta slice one of those things in half and see like <laughs> how many car parts does it have and how many animal parts. At a certain point it's more machine than Pokemon. It's a monstrosity. <laughs> um is there anything else pop out to you from this trailer and the overall presentation here? I was kind of, I'm interested that we're finally, after being told for how many games we are a child, right? we actually are a child <laughs> attending school with a uniform. Like, we are no longer just a kid that's been thrown out of their home to go defeat the Elite Four and stop the world from ending. Right. We are a child, and we are going on a, a like, a work-study, out-of-school, summertime program. But it's all homework. It's homework. It is weird. So they're listing everything. Oh, it's the treasure hunt. You're going to school and doing the treasure hunt. Which, like, I don't understand. Like, Pokemon is inherently already a treasure hunt, isn't it? Like, it's such a weird pitch to be like, now it's Pokemon school, and the point is to go on a treasure hunt. Um, but then also, the way they're framing it is bizarre of like, okay, there's three grand stories in this game. One of them is battling the gyms, and it seems like they're going to save what the other ones are. But you're going around and you can battle gyms in any order at this point. And it seems like according to their site, they say, quote, there is no set path to the gyms. You can purposefully seek out a stronger gym leader or you can simply stop by a gym that happens to be located in a town you came across on your journey. This time you get to plot your own very path along Victory Road. So it seems like it's not going to scale, which I I kind of like the idea. I like the idea of stumbling into a gym that's going to kick my ass. Is that not, in, uh, not interesting for you, Jenna? I would argue that it, there is a linear progression. If 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 the gyms aren't scaling, right, then right. in order to keep up with like a consistent challenge throughout the game, some of those gyms are not going to be beatable right away, which I think I, in my mind undercuts the point of an open world, which is that things are keeping up with me. So no matter where I go, it is the next place I should go. But what if it... What if it opens the door for like Breath of the Wild style speed runs where yes. you can, you know, like like shield bounce to like, you know, catch the strongest legendary right off the bat and then go to the hardest gym and just beat it and roll credits in like 12 minutes. But you need all eight badges, dude. So you can't oh, do it. Man. But I do. I think it's going to open the door for at least like some interesting play of like people immediately going to the hardest gym. And I think that's going to be talked about pretty quickly. It's like, yeah, it turns out the psychic gym is the hardest. So if you gun it for that spot, then you're going to impress all your friends when you stream it i guess i don't know really how much of an impact it's gonna have i just want to say uh you know i'm not a big pokemon guy and that's yeah. totally fine i'm happy for you guys and everything but for anybody else who isn't it's makes the conversation more fun to imagine you're talking about guys named jim oh okay yeah that's <laughs> good the thanks jim thanks for making it approachable number yeah. one halpert number two <laughs> i hate i hate it when jim's scale um, so the big thing, maybe, maybe the biggest thing from this trailer, other than, yeah, showing, ooh, back to Final Fantasy 15. I mean, they showed, like, you and three other buddies, Sarah, like, on your motorcycles yeah, you your going, friends. going across the world on your motorcycles. Like, this is, it has some real vibes like that. Um, but, like, the big thing is, now there is something in this region called the 
Terrastall phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I was waiting for the gimmick. I was waiting for this game's Dynamax. <laughs> yep. And honestly, I'm not as upset with the crystal Pokemon with their little fiesta hats, their little <laughs> festival hats that they got going on. Yeah. It, it, do you think it's cute? I mean, no. Yes, no. Some are cute. Okay. Some are cute. Others are like very confusing, like the giant diamond on Eevee's head. Right. So it's basically you can turn your Pokemon into weird diamond forms and make them look like Christmas ornaments and then something mm-hmm. absurd pops out the top. But like our- something you would find in your grandma's like like <laughs> glass cabinet that you weren't allowed to touch. Right, right. She always had a version of Pikachu that had balloons on the, the balloons. top of it. Yep. Yeah, the flying Crystal. Pikachu has <laughs> come back. Ooh, and there was a game called I Pokemon will, Crystal. I will, if they sell that, how much? $100, $200? I want a Crystal Pikachu. I mean, they. I think it was like a pre-order thing. They showed some physical version <laughs> of it, I think. No. Yeah. I want a real one. Um, um, so this is the whole thing, and it sounds like a cute little gimmick, sure, but people in the chat, at least when we're watching it live and doing their reaction, um, they were really uh, popping off, as they say, in the wrestling world. I don't know. Um, but everybody was really excited about the idea of like, ooh, I think like for competitive, this is going to be a huge mm-hmm. deal because when you pop it into crystal form, which you can do once per battle, then you have to go find a spot in the open world to like recharge it, apparently. Um, but when you go into the crystal form, it also can change type. So you have your Pokemon type, but then there's the Terra type, which is the type it is when it's in crystal mode. Look alive, Leo, the type that it's in when it's in crystal mode, Terra type. This uh, is basic stuff, Hansa. <laughs> I know. So it, it's going to be interesting to have like, okay, I have a Pokemon that's weak to electricity, but then I know that their Terra type, if I use my Terra orb, is going to turn it into rock or something like that. And so being able to flip it that quickly mm-hmm. by just popping it into a different mode is going to be really interesting. I just wonder, is it going to be every Pokemon or is it going to be limited once again to like a select few? They say they every. Said every. Yep. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah, but yeah. then the confusing thing is like, okay, but then they show Eevee. The Eevee mm-hmm. has like a couple different forms in the Terra mode or whatever. So I don't know if Eevee is just going to be super special or there's going to be a handful of those that can do it. But um, yeah, it's exciting. I'm looking forward to that game uh, coming out mm-hmm. later this year. Was it November, I believe? November, yeah. yeah. yeah I November. thought that after playing Arceus, I wouldn't be ready for another Pokemon game. But, like, Arceus, like, left... The spirit of The Legend of Arceus left my body, like, three weeks after I finished playing <laughs> mm-hmm. it. And I was like, yeah, I could play another one. Yep, yep. <laughs> I think, like, a new Pokemon game every ten months or so, like, that seems that seems reasonable, even for, like, the open world era and stuff. But I do think that... I think this game's going to get knocked because it's missing what some people really loved about Arceus of just, like, that element of danger and maybe having things not scale will have that again i'm serious though jenna like do you want someone to stand in front of your child avatar and tell them that they're going to die if they try to ride up that cliff on their legendary pokemon is that what you yeah. want i want to constantly be screamed at. yeah but no but yeah. that but then also like there were moments in arceus where you like come around a corner and you see like i don't know an alpha shelter or some nonsense like i <laughs> i am genuinely scared this thing will rock my world it can actually kill me and I, like having tension and fear in an open world pokemon game was so rare and i feel like without the alphas out there roaming the earth ready to kick my ass it's gonna feel a little different you know yeah about i loved arceus i played it through i played all the post credit stuff i did the whole the whole deal love it and i loved it i was very sad there was no dlc uh notice or anything in this presentation but i think you're right like i think i am probably gonna play scarlet but like 
think I'm going to be sad that my body isn't in danger at every moment. <laughs> right. Instead, you're just, you know, queen of the world on your purple motorcycle that turns into a I'm already queen of the, the world one. on my gray motorcycle. <laughs> Wait, do you really have a motorcycle? Yeah, it's gray. What? That's awesome. How long have you been riding that? <laughs> uh, I got it in May, so not very long at all. What, uh, what compels you? At what moment in your life do you say, I need to become a motorcycle person? It was last year. Well, I've, I've long wanted to get a pilot's license. And I was like, well, that might be a lot. <laughs> Very expensive. And it's going to take a long time. So um, this, getting a motorcycle license and motorcycle was a stepping stone to that, weirdly. Yeah. Uh, so that's what. Is it cool? Do you genuinely feel like a couple notches cooler when you're on a motorcycle? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Other motorcyclists will like give you like nods when they oh, see you man. driving they'll be like yeah you're 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 solid you're in a team of motorcyclists the second you get on one yeah because i gotta say like being just a, a normal lame bike rider on the side of the road i feel like you're annoying everybody and nobody thinks you're cool for sweating you know with my <laughs> stupid biker gloves on and stuff but like if you're on a motorcycle you get to be a cool biker that's the avenue yeah, the cool helmet. Yeah. I mean, I, when I'm riding a bicycle bicycle, I feel cool. And I think everybody else is dumb and stupid oh, for having okay. to pay gas. But then when, <laughs> when I'm back on my motorcycle, I'm like, nah, this is the coolest. <laughs> I have achieved peak form. Uh, well, there it is, everybody. Pokemon. We're really not going to ask Jenna the helicopter yeah, versus motorcycles question? After the motorcycle plus pilot thing? I'm just not that interested, Leo. I didn't think it was relevant <laughs> to the discussion. Sorry, uh, Jenna, it turns out, you know what, Leo? Podcast is yours. Take it. <laughs> You're better at this than I am. Uh, it's been a running question the last couple of weeks, which is cooler, helicopters or motorcycles? been surprisingly divisive, but it keeps coming up. I mean, I'm so biased, but I am going to say motorcycle. I feel like there, here's the thing is there is a cost divide. Whereas if you can afford a motorcycle, that doesn't mean you're crazy rich. If you can afford a helicopter, you're crazy rich and you suck. This is what you're I'm not saying. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. But if yeah. you had both, would your answer change? If you owned both and could choose at any point which one to take out for a spin? It would both be a motorcycle. It's like a limo isn't as cool as a Ferrari. You know, it's like if you have someone driving you around. Okay, this is I, I came down hard on the motorcycles and I won't go further into this except mm -hmm. to say that I retweeted this and someone responded to it uh, in a very smart way. That was if if cool was not a concept, then helicopters would still exist, but motorcycles probably wouldn't. <laughs> Wrong. That, like, Incorrect. No, disagree. Cool was not a concept. <laughs> that, that like helicopters are like utilitarian and like, oh, we got to like get someone out of like a war zone or whatever. But like motorcycles are like the purpose of them is to be cool. That person has never seen the great escape. What? No, because they this, look is, cool. this is saying they are cool. That motorcycles that, like, are cool. Yeah, fundamentally, but they're not. That, like, no, I'm saying, but like in the Great Escape, he does that incredible, epic motorcycle jump over the barbed wire wire to escape as a POW. So it's not a matter of being cool. On a like motorcycle. that's that's practical. Like you need something. I that mean, light. he could also do that on a helicopter. But if he escaped on a helicopter, it would be boring. And if he did, <laughs> if he did it on a motorcycle, Ooh, it's awesome. This sucks. <laughs> yeah, what is the? Here's what I'll say. Yeah. you can't Akira slide in a helicopter yet. <laughs> have you attempted it i've seen some battlefield <laughs> video that does seem pretty sweet <laughs> uh hey uh sarah do you know how this whole thing operates this whole podcast here yeah it's called a, 
ongoing discussion called Motorcycles versus Helicopters. <laughs> That's right. And you can find it at patreon.com slash motorcycles versus helicopters, everybody. Uh, or there's a link uh, below in the pinned comment in the description and all this fun stuff. Patreon.com slash minmax with two N's. If you like the show, you can help support the show directly over there. We have a bunch of tiers for you. Check it out. Oh, that overlay is all broken, but you get the idea. Um, we had somebody jump up to the play games with us tier recently. Um, Jawar, hello over there. And we just played Tetris. Well, he was playing Puyo Puyo and I was playing Tetris and we just played it for an hour and it was wonderful and I really enjoyed doing it. So anybody who jumps up to that tier is okay in my book. Uh, and special thanks to some folks who support us in a big way, like the wonderful folks at NordVPN. Leo, do you know this NordVPN place? Instantly. Really? So the whole idea is if you're cruising around the internet, but you don't want the world to know what you're doing, you don't want to be tracked everywhere, you want to go a little bit anonymously in a very casual, healthy way, NordVPN is the place to be, baby, because you can avoid DDoS attacks, you can block malware-ridden websites, you have secure browser traffic without affecting latency, and they say it has next-generation encryption at this NordVPN place. They say, hey, if a game isn't available in your country, NordVPN, you use that, and you can set your location to anywhere in the world. Is that the way, right way to put it, Leo? You set your location? Yeah. You really just click anywhere their servers are, which is like in every different country on Earth. You can uh, also use Netflix, HBO. If there's shows that aren't available in your region as well, you can now become a world traveler thanks to NordVPN. And they want you to know that you can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com midmax. There's a link below to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan plus free threat protection plus one additional month for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So there's a link below. And the promo code is MINMAX. Also, thank you to our friends at IM8Bit. They want you to know about the Stray Vinyl. They have it in their store because everything cool is in their store. And believe it or not, um, it looks really cool. So they have the vinyl soundtrack to Stray, the new game from Annapurna. And then also they have the game, a special IM8Bit edition that's available on their store as well as the PlayStation version of the game, of course. But it comes with six premium art cards and a fuzzy pettable patch of the cat in the game as well. Uh, it is awesome. It also comes with an oversized poster of the iconic first teaser art for Stray. So check that out. Um, and you can go to iMapit's wonderful online store and use the promo code. Okay, buckle up for this one, everybody. Sturgeon Moon. Sturgeon Moon. It'll be in the description below, but no space for 10% off everything under $100 and help support them because they help support us in a big way, including by shipping out a prize each and every week to the MinMax community. Whoever submits the best question over there on Patreon each and every week. Uh, this week, the best question will receive Res Infinite on PlayStation, the whole I'm 8-bit edition of Res Infinite. So look forward to that for free. They'll just mail it to your house. So thanks everybody and thanks to I'm 8-bit. Um, all right, community questions. And uh, before that, have you please. ever played the VR thing in Res Infinite? No, like the, the Area new 5. VR levels? Yeah. Um, it's really, it's really, really good. I mean, I know, I know the motion sickness may be uh, an issue, I think but I could it's do like, it, it kind of. <laughs> It condenses, like, the whole res experience into kind of 
it kind of gets Tetris effecty, which I know like those things are. But it's like you feel like you're watching the evolution of the world while playing Res. It's I'm really into cool. It. I'm into it. And so this is um yeah sorry it's not Area Five it's Area X. And area I've X. always I've always been meaning to get into Res. I remember I had the demo back on PS2 and they made that port and I was like I don't think I really get it. And I've tried going back to it again and again. I had the ultimate res experience of like i went to an art museum in tokyo um oh they put you in the in the and they got the full body body vibration suit and is it mizuguchi he's the he's the res guy right yeah and he was like there delivering the demo and it was like you know the 30th floor of this amazing art museum in tokyo it could it could not be better and still i reluctantly didn't go home and um regrettably did not immediately get super into res but i feel like i would be a res person if i gave it a shot at some point um oh by the way you know what i am now jacob geller officially what's that um i'm one of these rrr people because i finally watched it i finally watched it uh jenna you're a fan (laughs) it seems that way (laughs) a little bit uh yeah sarah have you seen rrr uh, it's an action film that's on Netflix now. The Jacob Keller. I mean, you were talking about when you saw it in the theaters for the first time on this podcast. You said everybody. And then the the second and the third time as well that I saw it in the theaters. I talked about it after those. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a long movie. Worth it. Lovely. I love the idea of going to it. Yeah, three times in the theaters and sitting. I mean, that so thing. what what happened was I saw it once with one friend, and we both came out of it like vibrating and <laughs> dragged along other people to it, and then those other people were independently like, we need to get our friends to come see this. So it was like a cascading kind of like everyone I saw it wanted to see it again with more people. <laughs> It's a, the part that maybe you mentioned this at some point, and maybe this is an oversimplification of everything that RRR has and is and stands for. But like it has kind of like Yakuza vibes at times, right? Just kind of in the simplicity of the characters, but still it's so compelling and the action is absurd, but the drama still is engrossing. It's like that fine line that Yakuza manages to walk, to walk as a series. I feel like RRR manages to hit that as well. Is there anything yeah, to that? Where it's like, you know, the the characters like they 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 have things going on, you know, like they've got kind of background motivation, some of which they're not saying, but like fundamentally are like, you know, they are good. And you don't at the at the end of the day, you don't have to like really feel conflicted about them. You're just like, yeah, my best boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like, I think we were watching it um, outside. It was like our projector movie last Wednesday or whatever. And uh, my friend Dave watching it. He's like, why isn't this this just every movie I watch? I just want to watch a movie (laughs) about these two strong, good guys being best friends. It really is just a beautiful sequence. Um, Sarah, you should watch it at some point. Okay. I'll put it, I'll add it to the list. Okay, great. Thank you. Put it at the top. Ooh. You'll you'll be happy you did. What, Alive, 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 Ben? Or RRR, if you had to pick one. <laughs> I'm, one of them's three hours and one of them's 20 hours. I mean, you haven't seen The Matrix yet. I've been screaming at you since 1999 to see The Matrix, so I don't know how much of a chance I have. It's weird of you to scream at a child. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Appreciate Trinity. Um, I, I, I might say RRR. Oh, I think I I think you'd enjoy it, but I don't have a good sense of your taste in movies yet, you know, so I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. But also watching RRR, it's like 
can I think of a single person on Earth who wouldn't love this? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like my my sixty-year-old parents. <laughs> my parents loved it. Really? Um, I feel like as Sarah having just a love of like kind of absurd things happening mm-hmm. would be into it just for that. Yeah. You I know, if you if you enjoyed things. the How Fish Is Made music video, <laughs> like I did. I did. <laughs> I really did. Yeah, and just like how fish is made, I think Kojiba probably tweeted about RRR. I'd have to imagine. <laughs> Jacob, you seem to be on top of that. Did he tweet about RRR? It seems very up his alley, doesn't it? I, I'm, I'm going to search his Twitter right now. He <laughs> has to. It feels so Metal Gear at times as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, Jordan Holmdahl uh, submitted a question over on Patreon. and says, hey, folks, uh, I remember several episodes ago, Ben was thinking a lot about recommendations. Oh, interesting. And why we get so invested in the things we recommend. What do you think has been your most successful recommendation ever to friends or family? Recently, I have a new example, and I'm curious to hear yours. P.S. Sarah and Ben, I hope tennis on Tuesday wasn't too awful. No, it was great. It was, it was the highlight of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it was fun. It, <laughs> I don't want people to think oh, that I they're... I love you say that. No, I had fun. I did have fun. Well, I don't want people to think that they're, like, torturing us by voting for these shows. Like... We're choosing what's going in the poll. We're not choosing lowers into acid on the poll yet. Uh, so I want to do all of these things that we put in that poll. Um, but yeah, does anybody have a... By the way, did you find anything, Jacob, for Kojima? He hasn't. What? Um, oh. I know. But but one of his most recent tweets is almost as good, which is a picture of him in a bathing suit at the ocean. And he says, I haven't worn swim pants in almost four years. <laughs> oh, no, sea pants. Sea pants. Sea pants. <laughs> I like C fans. Uh, yeah, has everybody got a, a recommendation that went over Gangbusters? It was really satisfying bringing friends to everything everywhere all at once and just mm-hmm. turning and like watching them cry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like in the theater you brought them to it? Yeah. How, without spoiling anything, how did that silent scene play in the theater that you were at? It's played like the best every time. I actually saw it for the third time last night and it was the best theater response yet. And it's so fun when it's such a quiet scene and it's only the crowd laughing. Like yeah. a great theater experience there. Yeah, I, we had a we had a bunch of people laughing at a really reactive crowd in the theater for when I saw that. And then there was one person right behind me going, mmm, mmm, with like every line they read in that silence scene. It's like, it's not necessary. We get it. You're as profound as the film. You've made it very clear. Thank you for your time. <laughs> uh, yeah, has anybody else got one? I mean, I... Uh, the, the Wicker Man, the original The Wicker Man from 1973 is my favorite movie. What? And so, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. It's my absolute favorite movie. Uh, and so I've made a, a lot of people watch it. Uh, I've probably... I've probably made upwards of 50 people watch The Wicker Man. Oh, my God. (laughs) And and it's just genuinely one of my favorite things. I mean, in general, it's really nice to sit with people who uh, have not watched a horror movie you have watched so that you can, like, turn and watch them when you know something really good, like, really good is about to come up. And so that's me with The Wicker Man is that I just love uh, being somebody's Wicker Man Sherpa. And just guiding them through the experience of this movie that I love so much. Where do you stand on the Nicolas Cage version? Hate it. Hate, hate it. it really? Every fiber of my body. Yeah. I appreciate that the camp appeal of Nicolas Cage in that movie, but I think it's fundamentally just like really sexist and really dumb and a, a, a horrible mangling of the incredible original movie. Well, what is the original one all about? What's so amazing about it? Oh, man. I mean, I genuinely just 
I could just talk your ear off. Uh, have you ever seen it? No. no. And, do you, and do you want to? Uh, not really, if I'm honest with you. But... <laughs> Uh, I want to see it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's about uh, this policeman from the mainland who comes to Summer's Isle, an isle that's known for its its apple harvest, um, uniquely known for its apple harvest. And they had a rough year and their harvest wasn't very good. But this policeman is coming to this island because he got a letter from somebody on the island saying a child has gone missing. And so it's about it's deeply a, a mystery, basically, of him trying to uncover what is happening in this community and what has happened to this child. And it's a concept that I think a lot of movies, horror movies especially, have kind of ripped off since the 70s. Um, but n- absolutely none of them do it as well. The mystery is actually super engaging. And at just every step of the way, the movie is playing with you. And so it's so rewarding to watch it multiple times and understand all of the different layers of everybody and how, what their participation and what happens is and, and just following that whole experience. It's yeah. good. Please let me watch it with you. <laughs> I mean, come up to Minnesota, I guess. All right. um, the deal. <laughs> is it like a good one for like, do you think um, people would react to it a lot? Like if I watched it like on a projector outside with some folks, it'd be a good like, crowd pleaser. Oh yeah, absolutely. There, okay. There's it, there's a lot in it. There is, I, I will say, some just like explicit nudity and sex, and that's part of it. <laughs> it's part of the experience of watching it is watching that as a group and being like, huh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Huh. Didn't expect that. I love it. Um, yeah. Has anybody else got one that went over well? Um, I've. I don't know. It's it's like. It's a big ask, but I have probably got three people in my immediate life to play through Disco Elysium. What? And like, wow. It, it, you know, then becomes they're just like, oh, yeah, this is my favorite game, because like if you if you kind of get to the end of that game, it is undeniable that it's probably just like the best writing that has ever been in a video game or whatever. And so, like, <laughs> it's not just that they liked it. It's like they made it part of their personality in the same way that I have made it part of my personality to be a guy who likes Disco Elysium. (laughs) (laughs) One of those cool folks. So no one's bounced off it? Well, I mean, it's hard to... I think people have bounced off the concept of it. It's like they haven't even started it, but I don't, like... No one who I have talked to has kind of got through, like, the first three hours and then been like, nah, not for me. Yeah. Um, I don't remember why, but at some point we have like um, this family friend, this old family friend who's basically one of those people that's like, I guess she's my aunt. I don't know. It feels like that. Um, but I sent the opening theme to Civilization Four to her, Baba Yetu. Um, do you all know Baba Yetu just, from the opening guys. of Civilization Four? I don't remember why, um, but she is probably because I knew that she sings in a church and what it is, it's the Lord's Prayer in Swahili. Um, and I sent it to her and it rocked her world in the most satisfying way where she's like, I was in tears the first time I listened to that. I have now convinced my church choir we're singing it on a regular basis. <laughs> like this has changed my life. It's like, okay, great. All right. I'm glad that I'm not alone on the Baba Yetu train. Um, Sarah, it, rules. It, it truly rules. Sarah, have you ever heard Baba Yetu? <laughs> no. Do you want to? Hear God. Yeah, add it to the list. It's Baba Yetu. It's Baba Yetu, and then RRR, and then Live Alive, and then The Matrix. <laughs> I think that's that's the list. And then you can just right die now. happy. Yep. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ben Shively writes in and asks, "Hey, can you think of your favorite episode of television of all time?" 
specific episode. They say, even though it's very recent, I think I can confidently say that mine is the season one finale of Severance. That's there were there were episodes of Severance that went through my head when I was thinking about this. Just being like, damn, it's a good show. Damn, um, good show. My I mean, so my my favorite show uh, is Community. And and I was wow. watching it like live while it came out. And so I think the most excited I have ever been watching a TV show was that first paintball episode of Community, yeah. which was just I mean, it's like. It's a great episode still, but it's like, I know what the show is and it doesn't seem that crazy. But like having a mostly normal season one and then having that happen, you know, towards the end of it, I was just like vibrating again, like <laughs> like coming out of triple R. Um, my other answer for this uh, is is a very dark episode, but uh, season one, episode seven of Barry. Uh, which I don't know if I can even describe without like spoiling it, but like at the at the end of season one of Buried, uh, goes down, and it's like it's the moment that the show turns from kind of a comedy with dramatic elements into like a dramatic show with comedy elements. Um, it's a very good app. I love that. God, I also thought of Community when I heard this really? question. Like, Community is the show that that popped into my mind. And similarly, like, I, I we would watch it. I have some friends and I would watch it together every time episodes dropped. Uh, the paintball was not the one that came to my mind, though, although I do love those episodes. The ones that came to my mind were the um, time split episode, like the first time that they actually, with the dice roll the dice and split the different timelines because I think that's just yeah, incredible. The, the original everything everywhere all at once. <laughs> yeah, <go>. truly, <laughs> truly just an incredible episode of television that and also um, the pen bottle episode. I love bottle episodes and I think community has such strong characters and understands those characters and how to write them so well that you don't need any of the other stuff that the show has. If you just pack these characters in a room and, and, Set, set them spinning in just the right direction. They bounce off each other in so many funny and in crazy ways. And it's just like incredible show, show running and, and writing to just sit there and watch these doofuses trapped in a room looking for a pin. And that's just enough. And I think like so few sh shows can do that, that that's really the one that was like, I think that has to be it. Wow. Totally. Yeah. Leo uh, for me, what came to mind was uh, Patriot, my favorite show. In season two, there's an episode called F. John Wayne. And it's, <laughs> a, it's first off, yes, agreed. But it's, <laughs> it's a spy thriller show. With, it's kind of a compounding problem show, you know, where it's yeah. just like things, lies get told and the problems spin out of hand. But that episode is like a, just a day off from doing spy stuff and all the main characters hanging out. And it's such a relief in that show to get that. And then rewatches, it's just more satisfying because you like learn these different aspects of these characters from when they're not in a super stressful situation. Yeah. They, they got to rename that show. I feel like that name is turning everybody <laughs> off. Even yeah, when you said, I was totally like, well, what is this again? Is some, <laughs> some 24 style show. I don't even know what this is. Uh, where yeah. do, where it do makes you... sense if you watch it, but it, it's ungoogleable. It sucks. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. God, this is tough. You know, I think of like, oh, okay, is there an episode of The Simpsons that's my favorite of all time? I don't know, maybe. This is probably too recent to be true, but the first thing that came to my mind is the first episode, like the pilot for Last Man on Earth, I think is the is a show recently that like 
just that first episode, I've watched that like three times. Just keep going back to that first episode of just, you know, it's just Will Forte being silent, just roaming the earth, doing what you would do in a post-apocalyptic scenario. Um, but, you know, it's like created by Lord Miller. Um, and I, I think that episode is so funny. It's just an hour of absurdity with Will Forte in a post-apocalyptic scenario. And it's just gag after gag after gag. But not the most profound choice. Um, I think the uh, I've thought about like shows that have really, really good pilots, the where I like keep watching, even though the show itself doesn't ever uh, achieve that. Or it's like, I think The <laughs> Walking Dead is like not a good show. Yeah. But the pilot of The Walking Dead is so good that I watched like three seasons of it just because <laughs> I was like, well, maybe they'll get back to there one day. Yeah, totally. <laughs> what about the new spinoff of the spinoff? Fear the Walking Dead dead on the water. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna pass judgment on that <laughs> what did they go did they go to the bayou like what what happened tune in oh, find out dude i have to get amc plus to find zombies out zombies on houseboats <laughs> uh mary player writes in and says hey clohorts sure that's us um has your love of games coverage and working games media influenced the importance you give to game reviews or are games a unique medium where reviews really do matter yeah sometimes they matter but yeah has it working in the industry changed your perspective on reviews at all, Jenna? Yeah, I'd say yes. Not maybe not specifically games, but in general, I feel like having gotten to know closely a lot of the people who write reviews for Polygon, and also writing some reviews for Polygon myself, m- helped me better understand that you don't need to read every review. <laughs> and and in fact, you should ignore most reviews. You should find people who have a similar sensibility as you and yeah. then just read all of the things that they have to say. And I think that that's contrary to what I perceive reviews as being, which is the idea that like there will be a consensus or uh, people will like the same things or hate the same things. And like it, that's such an obviously wrong thing, mental trap even to like fall into. But it getting to meet everybody and like have arguments about stuff in movies has really changed my perspective on that. I think you should just find a couple of people who have, who like the same things you have liked in the past and just trust them. It's tough to do with like a big site though, to like sift through. I don't know what the best way to do that is just every major site, just have a list for every editor on staff and show like their 10 favorite games of all time just to try and like gauge it up because if you're coming in cold right it's kind of tough to do isn't it i know i think that's a great idea you nailed it i think they should just have like everybody should have at at, for every review somebody posts they should have to post at the bottom their top 10 favorites of that genre and that'll help you better gauge whether you're gonna vibe with them or not i think that is something that would help yeah come on big websites out there do the thing yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right, Jenna. It just kind of, it made me, working at Game Informer for so long, it made me kind of appreciate even more just how much variability there is with the person that's reviewing it. I mean, it's Internet Complaint 101 is like, how can IGN give this a 6.5 and then give this an 8? And it's like, but this is clearly better than that. It's like, yeah, it's because it's different people. It's different yeah. people all over the place. And they're not going to have the exact same opinions uh, as an outlet. It's an individual basis, but I understand that that's, a tough thing to kind of crack from the outside at times because it's like, I don't know, GameSpot's GameSpot. I don't know. Who's over there? Yeah. Kyle Hilliard reviewing? I don't know that fella. Yeah, I'm just clicking on the title. I'm not reading the names. Right. That's changed. Now I read the names. If I like a review for something that I've seen, I follow that person and then I just read all of their stuff wherever it ends up. Yeah. 
Leo, do you, I mean, you wrote one or two reviews for Game Informer? Just one. Half-Life Alex. Half-Life Alex, yeah. Did you enjoy it? Not the game, but like the review to the point that you'd ever <laughs> be tempted to write a review again? Yeah, I mean, I got a big fat paycheck to give it a 9.5. <laughs> I was really happy on that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was fun to just have to say I have done. And I guess I have because I've done mock reviews now. Oh, sure. similar. But that's kind of my favorite way to do it, I guess, is <laughs> to do an unironic direct payment for my review. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy that, but I don't, I don't put a ton of stock in them personally because obviously I have weirdo taste in games so right right it, it means very little I think I'm with you uh, Martin Glowacki says hello Min Max and Jana have you ever felt the sense of imposter syndrome uh, starting my most recent job I really felt like I was out of my element wondering how the heck did I get here do I really deserve this position now over half a year later I feel like I finally found my groove but it took at least three months to shake that feeling of being an imposter Jenna, also, I just wanted to say that I really enjoyed your work at Polygon, and I'm rooting for you wherever you go. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the imposter syndrome thing is is quite real. I mean, even just, you know, I have it while podcasting still. I'm just like, what, what am I doing here? Even just like, you know, last week when like, you know, Jeff Gersman was on and Kelsey Lewin and John Ricciardi and just this feeling of like, oh, these are just people that I look up to. Like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be in this arena with them, and I hope no one will call me on it. And I don't think anybody in the comments did. No one was like, hey, wait a minute. Get that one guy out of here. So I guess it's all good. Leah, you doing okay on that front? I'm doing better now. I felt imposter syndrome a lot at Game Informer, and I don't feel like that was even imposter syndrome as much as actually being an imposter. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the syndrome. You found it. <laughs> no, he's right. He's right. No we matter, talked about it No all. matter how much distance, <laughs> no matter how much clarity I get on it, it's like, yeah, I wasn't equipped yeah, to do the, all the, those parts of that job. The staff kept voting to send you out of an airlock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, my sus years for sure. Here's, here's how, uh, it's just like paperwork or what part of it did you feel like an imposter for? The cover trips. Oh, right, right. Doing those interviews, always vowing to, God, I really need to learn how these cameras work before the next <laughs> trip <laughs> and never doing it. <laughs> like, there are parts of that job I definitely felt uh, proficient at and happy to do and like I was doing a good job, but there were also a lot of parts like that, more technical stuff that was like, I'm just doing this. I'm just, you know, Googling everything the way anyone would yeah. when thrust into this situation. Yeah, eventually I think you get over it just by, I don't know, being more calm in the exterior as you're talking to developers because like that was I would lose sleep over that of like going to visit studios for Game Informer and then just like okay you have 20 minutes set up two cameras and lights and interview this developer in their tiny office go and it's like okay uh and so as I'm trying to set up the lights and get these things arranged and the camera has some error I've never seen before but like you just get better and better at like casually on the outside being like oh so you playing anything recently? Just like trying to keep some <laughs> semblance of a conversation rolling as you panic about like, I don't know where the hell to put this light. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know why the color balance isn't working right now. It's just a constant <laughs> inner panic, I think. Um, I mean, I think that's the, the trick about imposter syndrome, right? Is that it's only ever temporary because even if you have, even if on the off chance you've tricked your way into a job, right. uh, like eventually you're gonna get all those skills and you're gonna get skills you didn't even know you didn't have 
<laughs> maybe that's the wrong thing to say for somebody with imposter syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> like, like my first year of, of my, my grad studies, I had no idea how to do anything and I did a very bad job, but it was too late. They'd already accepted me. So it didn't matter. Yep. <laughs> like, that, that was my time to f up. Like you always have time to f up in these jobs. So like, even if, even if you are an imposter, the fake it till you make it, et cetera. And I don't think you are. You're fine. You're all great. No, thank you. Thank you. We've been trying. Yeah, it's tough with Min Max to feel like an imposter, I guess, too much. It's like, ah, oh, it's not really like, it's just kind of us being us. <laughs> it doesn't feel too much like there's an avenue it for is, It is weird. I've experienced the feeling several times of like, I know I am good at this one thing. And now I have to do another thing that is part of my job, but it's not the part that I'm good at. Yeah. Where it's like, now I have to like negotiate with like an agency or something Aww. and it's like this is part of and it's like i don't i i got nothing like i have no training i don't even know kind of where to start on mm -hmm. this and and yeah i totally feel like i don't know there there are there are things that are kind of i wouldn't say antagonistic but it's like when you're negotiating you have a best interest and someone else has a best interest. And so they're not like helping you learn necessarily. The, right. <laughs> and so I like there, I, 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 at this point feel good at what I think of as the core of my job, but I feel like every month there is something that is now a new part of my job that I've never done before. And you just have to like incorporate that into whatever you're doing. Yeah. Sarah, are you too confident overall for this type of thing? I'm just confident that I'm confidently an imposter. Oh, so like I see. Leo, yeah. like I'm just mm. forever living through my sus days. <laughs> yeah, you know, that <laughs> shit never ends. Imposter lifestyle. Love mm -hmm. that. I feel, Sarah, I feel like every once in a while you're like, oh, I'm an introvert. Uh, this kind of, I've heard you say that a couple of times, but it's like you have a confident exterior. Uh -huh. Are you are you aware of this? Is this? Yeah, is this... because I'm confidently an imposter. Okay. So Nothing can, can hurt me if I've already hurt myself with it, Ben. Interesting. You can't hurt me. <laughs> okay. This is a good strategy. If you're a really good imposter, it doesn't matter if you have Right? It doesn't syndrome. matter. Right, right. I like it. Uh, so, sorry, Zeph Hillman Johnson writes in and says, What game genre or subgenre do you think you've played the highest percentage of? I feel like I've played a good 60% of all city builders ever. <laughs> That's bold, Zeph. I mean, have you been on Steam? There's a lot of city builders out there, but I appreciate it. Probably farming simulators, life simulators. Yeah. I play um, a lot I, of farming simulators. I feel like the key is partly a, a small genre. Um, and so, like, you know, maybe a subgenre, but like spectacle fighters. I've played, you know, probably all of them except like Astral Chain and Devil May Cry 2, you know, because there just are not that many. It's a it's a thing that started with Devil May Cry 1. Yeah. And then you have that and like platinum and and a couple weird offshoots but like you know you you can play most of them and it's like 20 games hang on okay this this genre they need to lock their s down do. i don't know i've heard several different uh, names for this genre oh yeah because there's also there's character action which i that's think that's what make i've any heard sense. well character action well, it doesn't make sense i was always told stylish action like is stylish action not cool anymore it's character fighters what Spectacle Fighters Spectacle is the one that I fighter. like. I mean, stylish action also makes sense, but it's, I don't know. I feel like it's, 
who knows? You all need to have a talk. You all yeah. need to circle the wagons on this. <laughs> yep. They're just they're games where surviving is not the main point. The point is like doing backflips while kicking people. Right. I think I've played most of them. Stylish action. It's right. It's a cool word. Stylish is right in there. It's got yeah, everything. Side scrollers are action games that are super stylish. Yeah, but you can make a spectacle <laughs> while fighting and uh, I don't know, bullet storm. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> Leo. Exactly. Uh, Darkfish Days writes in and, and asks, hey, should Game Pass and PS Plus have a donation option so gamers can give some money directly to the developers? There's plenty of times uh, I'd like to give thanks after playing a game, but I also can't afford to fully pay for every game. What do you think? I think that's called DLC. I think it is called DLC. But even then, it's like, well, that's going to the publisher. I do like the idea of like if there was some side channel so you could give a tip and it would just go right to the no, developer's you, pockets. You don't, want, you don't want to introduce a tip system into like... Like, restaurants would be better if you didn't tip. You know, tipping is now part of going to a restaurant because, like, it's been built in for years. But, like, tipping is a bad system that now we all have to live with. What? Why, why right? is it? Why is it bad? Why See, does it hurt? Oh, so, wait, you, you, you think, I like, mean, Xbox Pass would retroactively, like, lower the money? That I think they, they would, Absolutely. for sure. They'd be like, oh, but people will love your game. They'll just keep, we'll put this little yeah, donation. Yeah, they would say yeah, minimum wage is 213 now, and you make it up in tips. Like, I, okay. I, I don't think they would just be, like, more money for developers. They would be like, now we can take more off the top. Right, right. Okay, I can see That's Yeah, I think that's a fair read on the situation. I do think, like... I think developers on a developer case basis could have that on their websites and that would probably be okay. But I think, yeah, if you, if you created any sort of formal system in which tipping was a part of it, yeah, capitalism would f*** that up. I think so. I can curse, right? Yeah, you're good. Uh, I capitalism <laughs> would f*** that up. We bleep it out so no one has any idea what you're saying. They think it could be <laughs> complete 180 you of your thoughts. You know, it's like, you just, just gift... I, I guess sometimes it's like you don't want to pay the full cost of the game, but it's like, you know, I have gifted games to my friends when I want to, like, give the developer more or, like, bu buy it on Itch.io. You know, like, there are things you right. can do to, like, give the developer more money, but I don't think tipping is is the way to do it. Gotcha. Zach Killian writes in and says, hey, you don't have to spoil anything, and please don't, but what is your favorite plot twist in a game? For Zach, I think my favorite type of plot twist is ooh. the "Are we the baddies?" plot twist. Ooh, yes. We're halfway yes, through yes, the yes. game, they reveal very sneakily that maybe you've been bad the entire time. <gasps> yeah, I love that one. That's it never good. gets old. It is fun. It is fun because you already feel like a baddie because you're just normally going around killing things in all these well, games they, anyway. If they so. trick you into not realizing it really well, and then they make you sit and think about everything that you thought was true. Right. I love that. Yeah, for sure. That's a really good one. Oh, I've been mass murdering who? <laughs> My parents? <laughs> I've been mass murdering? <laughs> yeah, without um, spoiling we, anything. It's kind of a tough Kyle one. and I have talked about it a bunch, but the uh, the the kind of halfway twist in Returnal is a recent, like, really, really good one, um, where it's like it doesn't it doesn't really change what's happening i guess it does it's just like it's just like hey man this is a really cool idea that we're gonna introduce halfway through this game right right that was my answer for this and i haven't even played it i just heard it from last year's <laughs> game of the year discussions and i still <laughs> think about it all the time <laughs> the thing that game. came to my mind was uh something that's post credits in pokemon arceus 
Um, but I don't. Did any of you play any of the yeah. postcard content? Yeah. Okay. Was it the like? So oh, know this the person's actually the big bad. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I, was, I I played that on my stream and just like getting to experience that live because a lot of people who had been played way ahead of me because you know when you're streaming it takes a long time yeah and so they were just like waiting waiting <laughs> like little vultures for me to get to that twist and be just mind blown and I was they were right to wait it was great did you have strong opinions on that character though I felt like it was kind of like a uh okay I think mine I remember like, your damn, name he's not hot anymore <laughs> what mine was like damn he's like way hotter now <laughs> I agree with you. Uh, yeah, no, I had strong thoughts about that character the whole time because I liked their vibe. And oh, then, uh, there you go. And then they really so sucked to fight over and over again. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, also, real quick, uh, the end of Inside. Yep, that's great. Maybe, maybe the best, <laughs> the best twist. I just bought Inside. Yeah. I have not played that. Oh, uh, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> that's a I know, fun I know, time. I'm gonna play it on stream. Uh, everybody, yeah, everybody has wild things to say about it, but I haven't played it. I just entirely oh, missed it. It's, it's so good, so good. Yeah. Just, I'm just one of the best games. It's, yeah, it's the, right. into the breach of its genre. <laughs> just like this rock solid <laughs> little thing. Uh, Tom Blackburn writes in. And says, what year will the first AAA game about the pandemic be released? Mm. I don't know if it wasn't it referenced in Assassin's Creed. I mean, I guess that doesn't count because it's not about it. Oh, because they said the COVID virus itself was a Templar. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you 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 had a fist fight with it, (laughs) (laughs) just stabbing it with the world's smallest little (laughs) wrist blade. Uh, I, I don't know. That's interesting that if it's been referenced there, but like, will you think GTA six, will they make references mm-hmm. about it? That feels like a contender, right? I think references have and will continue to be made. The question is like, when are they going to make a game where like, are they just the going to make like the is, division three, which to me doesn't seem very exciting. No. It's like, see how no. long you can stay indoors. Unless. It, yeah. I feel like that game. Yeah. And we all lost. <laughs> <laughs> very true. I, I feel like most media has agreed we're just going to pretend there's no pandemic and there never has been and there never will be. Right, right. And we as viewers say, yes, good. I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> That's true, yeah. I lived through it. I don't need to see it. Nope. Even like a documentary about it, it's like, yeah, I, I'm good. Maybe when I'm retired, I'll be kind of curious to look back on this era. But it's like, it's just, it's, it's at times the most fascinating concept that like the entire world went through this traumatic event together and shifted so radically. And I don't know why something so big and fascinating can still be, I don't know. I just have no interest in thinking about it more. It's kind <laughs> it's of a vibe killer. really mundane. Yeah. Like yeah. it has a bummer. It was a big dramatic change, but in the dumbest, lamest way possible. So, <laughs> I mean, like, I guess I don't so. Know. Yeah. Like, I want to put, I want to put a time on it. I wanna, I'm going to say six years. Six years. Because I want to be right. And you have to make a big guess if you want to be right. So six years. I think that's correct. Yeah. Nice. The weird thing too, not to get too dorky about this stuff. So please stop me if I'm going down the dork well. Um, but I have a rope attached and so I could be hauled up at any point. <laughs> but like, it's interesting thinking of like Marvel and they had the Thanos snap, with the, which they call the blip now in the MCU, you know? But it's so weird because now they get to like, hang on, Sarah, confusion? They're just renaming it? Well, because it didn't have a name because there was that year between Infinity War and Endgame where everyone's like, oh, the snap, the snap, the snap. And then when they started actually referencing, they're, they're like, actually in the blip. And like Marvel's like, call it the blip, everybody. Didn't like several people die or essentially cease to exist? 
yeah. Some would say half the population <laughs> of the I universe. I feel like calling Several. it like the blip. Like the blip is what we call that weird sonar blip from the middle of like out in the I, middle of nowhere in the water. That's, we, th- are you kidding me? I like, kind of yeah. like it. Well, people came back, right? And not to spoil Endgame. And so I do like the name because I do think that if something that huge the happened blip. In oh the did world. you get blipped yeah bro i got blipped i think it's not inconceivable like i'm trying to think of examples i'm no historian but i feel like big events can have kind of cheeky weird names you know i'll just say that confidently without having great depression that's fun anyways but it's interesting now like in the mcu i feel like they're using kind of the emotions of the pandemic when referencing the blip when talking about like, oh, those five years we lost and all that stuff. I feel like they're thematically trying to tie that together for what we've experienced, even if technically the pandemic hasn't happened in the MCU. All right, I'm gonna- well, Aren't they in the future? Because- They because, are, yeah. Okay, yeah, so didn't, like, between the Infinity War and Endgame, there were like five years, right? So yeah. did, did the years, did like 2020 to 2022, was that in those years? Ooh, oh, I so like, lipped out of 2020. So they just got to skip it. That's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> That's maybe like fair. the virus wouldn't spread if like half of the popula- if the population was just cut in half. This is what I want a what if episode about. Come on, Marvel. <laughs> um, Jason Mordenar writes in, do you ever play a game while talking on the phone with someone? Would you consider it disrespectful if you disrespectful if you found out that Isn't someone you were talking to was also grinding dailies or levels? The entire in point of Discord is to sit on the phone with your friends while you play games. Oh yeah, the phone isn't for friends anymore. The phone call is for loved ones. I think Love- significant others, grandmas, or yeah. nobody, or yeah. nobody. It's like yeah, it's grandmas in an emergency or nobody. I think those are the options for phones these days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like playing a game while calling 911 or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> For game related injuries. Yeah. <laughs> right. Toby King writes in and says, hey, folks, uh, why is it that some genres are implicitly never capable of containing 10 out of 10 games? I love this question. Take beat em ups, for example. I can't think of a single bad thing anyone has ever said about Shredder's Revenge. I would even go so far as to say that probably it had an overall more positive launch than any other game this year, even Elden Ring. Yet if you look at review scores, it's mostly, I don't know, eights? <laughs> um, yeah, I think you know, you know what, though, is the negative thing people say about that is that it's a beat-em-up. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's you're like right. I played that game and was like, nah, still don't like this genre. <laughs> yeah, well... I mean- this is just like what we were talking about with reviews, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, if you like beat-em-ups, then that probably is a 10 out of 10. Like, that's just it. Right, like, right. You, you have so many people who maybe, you probably have a lot of people for whom beat-em-ups is not their favorite genre. And those people are probably not going to give it a 10 out of 10 because it's a beat-em-up. I don't think there's any genre that is like, by definition, incapable of being perfect. Yeah, can we, there's can just we genres of years play. Yeah, uh, so they, they oh. list a couple other, like, visual novels, management sims, Musou games. Oh, I feel I mean, like visual, visual novels, novels could easily could yeah. be. Oh. I guess I what I think about is, is you know, the, the kind of two ways of making a 10, which is, like, the absence of anything bad versus, like, <laughs> the presence of something sublime. Right. And I do think that there are, I think it's hard for a beat-em-up to have, like, a moment that would make it be like this is one of the greatest things i've ever played uh in a way that 
of games that get more frequent 10 out of 10s yeah like, do you know that rpgs can have those like big moments and i kind of just don't know what it would be about a beat-em-up that i would be like i'm gonna think about this forever <laughs> which is kind of what it takes you should play sunset riders though because it'll really open your eyes no I, I think you're right like it's the old possibility space range right like in a beat-em-up how much range is there in the possibility space as you're playing and i think to have a 10 out of 10 you need to have those moments where it can really transcend and it's like Oh, man, the way that foot soldier flew into the camera, that's a 10 out of 10 moment. I wonder if there's also, and I'm not shaming any reviewers, but I wonder if there's something, too, of like people that love beat-em-ups probably reviewed Shredder's Revenge for outlets. And maybe there's just a little bit of like shame or guilt about like, well, this is about as good as one of my favorite genres can get, but I mean, I can't give it a 10. I mean, it's a freaking beat-em-up, you know? Maybe they weren't listening to their hearts. Yeah, I hope people who love beat-em-ups love that they love beat-em-ups. I love that I love visual novels. Okay, <laughs> there we that go. Me. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, you know, I think of like maybe Forza Horizon 5 getting a 10 from IGN is kind of an example of this. Of like, it's rare for a racing game to get a 10. Um, but I felt like that was IGN, yeah, planting a flag and doing it well. I mean, it's no Bravely Default 2, but that's fine. Um, Joshua writes in and says, Why can't games get licensed deals for music just like movies? It's not like 10 years after a movie is made, its licensed songs are ripped out of it. Sarah, help us out. You probably did some of this in your previous job, right? Well, the way I see it and the way I've been, you know, inter- like the way the music industry works is essentially the music industry hasn't modernized in several years, several decades, it feels like. Yeah. And it just feels like video games, they haven't caught up to video games. They've barely caught up to online streaming. Movies have been around much longer, and they probably understand movies, but video games simply have not been around long enough, and the music industry is not one to move quickly. Yeah, and it's not just the music, too. It's also that weird stuff about, you know, if there's any live-action footage, like, you know, they mm-hmm. had to pull Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2 from the online store because of some, uh, you know, live clip in there and stuff. So. It's just the infancy of the entire medium, and and these corporations are stupid and don't understand that it's going to yeah, be relevant. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure like video games probably don't have the budget for to license popular songs, and if they yeah. do, right, then you just get slapped with the DMCA on Twitch, so you can't even play it. You have to mute it, or it gets removed. So it's like it's they're just not, we're not there yet, and I don't think we're going to be there for at least fifty years. Yeah. Uh. I want to know, maybe more than anything else in my life, I want to see the contracts for Smash Brothers. I want to know, like, what is that wording that was signed from Disney to make Sora workable in this game? Like, it has to be infinite, right? Don't you think that Nintendo would be smart enough? The contract for Sora? Yeah, the contract for Sora. From what I heard, Disney really wanted Sora to be in, like, a Smash game, though. That's but a big still, deal. they would be like, you can have Sora, you can, like, Mickey Mouse can be a logo, but it can't be right. more than it's that. It's not, you, don't, like, you do you not own it. Yeah. But, like, yeah. if, I mean, it has to be in the contract. Like, if we re-release Smash Ultimate 30 years from now, are they still going to be fair game? Like, is every character in there, you think, going to be locked mm-hmm. in? There's probably legal wording that just says, like, for this game and this game only. Yeah. Fun stuff. Uh, do you miss working with the lawyers, Sarah? It was incredibly eye-opening, the things that legal gets concerned and worried about. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of, like, simple wording. It's a lot of, like, we made a claim. We made a claim of something. Can we back that claim up? Like, you can never say, like, this game is the best game. This game, you'll have the most fun, blah, blah, blah. Like, you can't make any claim that you can't back up with, like, 
and, like science like yeah Wait. we found out that this is the best game ever like we have some research in trailers so, you can't suggest you can't yeah in trailers you really have to watch what you say uh, you can't make boy. claims of certain things you can't show you know you can't show anything that you couldn't actually do in the game obviously yeah you can't um, claim no. that it's so the first the pokemon open world. says like most exciting pokemon ever it, it, it better i don't think be. so i can sue them yeah you can sue <laughs> They It'll s- probably get thrown out, but you can sue. Okay, they said in the new Saints Row trailer that it's the ballsiest Saints Row game ever. Do you think that's mm. legally... I mean, you would I have mean, to do some research. If, if they had the most balls, mm-hmm. okay, I think they could back that claim up. <laughs> okay. Shazir writes in and says, Hey, what an awesome panel of video folks on the podcast. That's who we are, video folks. Um, Shazir asks, what are the first viral videos you can recall watching as they went viral? You know, back when video hosting had just started up and there were simple goofs that people today probably wouldn't even notice. For example, the oldest one I can recall is that Soldier Boy Winnie the Pooh video from 2007. Uh, what are yours? Do you have any viral when videos? Did Charlie the Unicorn oh, come Charlie out. Unicorn. Yeah, that was an early um, one. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all remember All Your Base? Yes. Yep. Yeah, Y'all uh, remember all your face? And yeah. now it's on the Nintendo Switch, ready to go. Uh, if anybody <laughs> wants to play that original game. I I love thinking about just like the top viewed YouTube videos in like 2005 or 6 yeah. or whatever. Because I would look at that top list and like the number one for such a long time was evolution of dance which was just like on a stage being like here's how they danced in the in the 50s through the 2000s -hmm, and like mm -hmm. that was it and it had 80 million views and that was the most any video had been viewed on youtube why do i know that man's name (laughs) surely i could know something more important than judson lapley I mean, it's incredible that those videos still do really well. (laughs) I mean, some things are really different, but some things are really the same. What was your most popular video of Polygon? My most popular video, far and away, one of the most popular videos we ever did on the channel was uh, Animal Crossing uh, animalese being dubbed. Um, And that's somewhere, it's over 2 million. I don't know where it's at right now. Um, But that was a banger. (laughs) That's nice. Was that your idea? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I was doing a video on beep speech, which is what I have named that kind of video game. Talking. And I realized looking at new Animal Crossing footage for the, the new game that came out way back when um, that they they dubbed the audio for that fake language. Um which was just like, why, <laughs> why would you do such a thing? Uh, and so I just, I did a video on that. I talked to uh, a professional, um, God, I forget what her title was, but she was a professor who, who covered like phonetics and, and language in, in very small fragments. And so she had a lot of really interesting stuff to say. And it was all about why they would bother to dub a fake language. Yeah. Um, are you going to miss making videos for Polygon? A tricky question a tricky that I question. simply cannot answer. Really? <laughs> I will miss working with my coworkers who are all incredibly smart and talented and good at their jobs. Um, I hope to continue to make videos once I'm there. <laughs> once I'm there, equipment wise and also emotionally. Because um, yeah. I really like just, I like making videos. Yeah. But just doing it in, in that company setting wasn't the, wasn't the best. I mean, I would have stayed on if they would have had me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ben, <laughs> have you never lost a job? 
was one, I was laid off uh, due to recession concerns. Of someone who's never lost their job spontaneously. Yeah. One time I was fired from my grocery store job. Oh um, my God. And then because What'd you do? well because i got a second job he at went like a, home and he put food in a bag at home <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no but i got to yeah I, I got a second job at like an art gallery and the and my boss was a real piece of work and he's like well this is a this is a tough deal this is a tough deal you can't have that second job i gotta let you go from this one then you because you're you're going out and getting some second job and i said no no it's not a big deal and he's like oh it's a tough deal it's a tough deal i gotta let you go and i said no no you don't it's fine and then so i just said no and then i still worked there and it was fine God, <laughs> so, <Jesus. laughs> But nice. yes, you're right. You if know, we all just that. end the meeting with HR when they're right. handing us our severance papers, if we had just said no. Just say no, it's not a big <laughs> they deal. They would say, oh, you're right. Return to your desk. Thank you. Right, right. That's it. Yep. Uh, Jaren writes in and says, greetings, Vinmax crew and friend Jenna. Uh, after seeing the lovely comments under the Saints Row developer interview uh, video that you just posted, I wanted to ask, do you feel like reaching a broader audience with your content is worth it, even when it brings in the toxic crowd? Now, this is a great question. Uh, thank you for asking, Jordan. I feel like we've addressed some of this before, but man, I I was kind of excited to do this interview about Saints Row. Because um, like, oh, it's been a while since I've kind of done like an interview that's kind of in that preview cycle. Like, I'm curious how the MinMax community will react to that, what that will do just traffic-wise. Is it going to be different than our more kind of, I don't know, out of the PR cycle interviews that we normally do on our channel? And it turns out it just attracts truly the worst people on the internet who have a very a uh, whole lot of opinions about how the new saints row is abysmal and i know i should be used to this i know i should be surprised by the internet but just the level of just rage and hate and misogyny in these comments it's like what what are you doing like i understand the saints row fans i guess are I thought they were just goofy, but it's like, where is this like extremely angry, toxic subset of the Saints Row community who are just livid and are hoping for the deaths of these developers because they took the store that's called Rim Jobs out of the game? Like, it, it is truly unfathomable to me. <laughs> so I guess the answer is I, I don't think it is worth reaching a broader audience if it's just toxic. Yeah, I don't think so. I think it's better to have a core group of really chill ass cool people but also do you have a choice <laughs> i don't know if you get a choice <laughs> like, yeah. i don't know if you get a choice <laughs> i don't know leo it's, i mean oh. i i always find it really fascinating when there are like you know i i specifically look at kind of you know creators people who are doing youtube or whatever who have like relatively low sub or view counts and then like relatively high patreon incomes or something because it's just it's like they are doing a a specific thing for a specific audience that like appreciates it so much and they can just do that and like i that seems so cool rather than kind of like trying to think of what would appeal to the biggest audience every time or whatever of just being like you found your your group and they all love you, and, like, that is, that's enough. You can just make a living off that. Do, I mean, I don't know. Do a lot of horrific people infiltrate your comments, Leo and Jacob? Is that, even for something that's not, like, a preview for a game, does it still attract just a weird crowd at times? It, it really, I mean, it's, like, people, probably the same reason that the Saints Row thing got bombed is, like, people just 
latch on to keywords. And so it's like my videos where I talk about, like I say, like race is a social construction and it does not matter anything else that I say in that video. (laughs) It's like, that is what people lose their minds over. And so like, you know, if, if I just don't say the word capitalism, like 80% (laughs) less toxic, even if the video is making like all the same points that it would otherwise. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, usually they're nice. They're just there are people who find their thing and they lock onto it. And then they change minds on the Internet. Yeah, that's it. Um, Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Tokyo Game Life writes and it says, hey, man, Max, you have to change your name. Oh, I don't know if you all heard about this, but you have to change your name to the same one as a character in the upcoming Square Enix game, The Diofield Chronicle. So what is your new name? Here are your choices. Okay, we each get to choose one of these. Um, let's see. Uh, we'll let our guests choose first. So Jenna, which would you like as your new name? Andreas Rondarsen, Ascarion <laughs> Colchester, Waltaquin Redich, Yulzum Jordan, Lorraine Luckshaw, or Isolaire uh, Wiegen? Easy, Lorraine even- Luckshaw. I couldn't 100%. even tell you which one were boys and which one were girls. <laughs> <Isn't> that, <right? laughs> okay, Lorraine None Luckshaw. None of them. Good. The, there's no gender for any of these. No, the but gen- I would be Lorraine Luckshaw. That's a great name. The gender is Diofield Chronicle. Um, like officially. <laughs> okay, I posted them in Discord. Anybody else uh, feeling any of these? I think um, I'll take Yulzum Jordan. I think that. Oh, that was the only good one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I got it before you. Should have claimed it. Sorry. I, I mean, the first name Iscarian is good. Colchester is not a great last <laughs> name. Colchester. You know, like, well, Colchester this isn't Wigan, and I feel like Wigan's not a great last name either. Yeah, it's not great. But Isalar is kind of a cool, Isalair, good first name. I, yeah. I never thought I'd say this, but I feel like Yolzim Jordan is the easiest one to spell. Yes. Mm-hmm. For people <laughs> on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's Yolzim as in yo-yo. Um, have you all heard that thing about like cellar door? Do you know this? Yeah. I have seen Donnie Darko. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you. Yes. I knew it was like, I was on the tip of my tongue. Like, why do I know this thing about cellar doors? Like, okay. It turns out it was Donnie Darko. Well, what is the idea? It's like Tolkien said it was like the most beautiful combination of sounds it's not it's not a real thing i also don't think it's tolkien but it's just it's like yeah it's like you know if you if you remove meaning from it it just phonetically sounds great i think i think tolkien said yeah i i I think it was help me google around but i think it was it seems like it's up for grabs hansen if we just want to agree you said it okay yeah absolutely (laughs) but me is it just that it's so connected but it just made me laugh thinking about it about like no it was it was previous to Tolkien really uh, at least in in this first googling first attested in the 1903 novel G-Boy by the Shakespeare <laughs> scholar Cyrus Lauren Hooper wait so he was a Shakespeare scholar but then he just wrote about G-Boys <laughs> G-Boy <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, well that's that's less fun because I was thinking about like Tolkien being really into that name and then all of his characters names if you overthink it do sound like that of like here's Celebrimdor and all this stuff where it's like oh he's just kind of remixing the words cellar door over and over again <laughs> but yeah I guess he's the master You've of language it. that's it yeah. um, let's see Jenna not to put you two on the spot but what do you like for question of the week did one of these uh, stand out to you who should win oh, a prize man. let's see uh, there's um, favorite episode of television there's uh, game review talk imposter syndrome talk the genres that can't crack 10 out of 10. Anything stand Ooh. out? 
I liked favorite episode of television all the time because I like community and I liked I liked learning that Jacob also likes community. Oh yep. yeah. That was my favorite part of the day. Uh, there we go. Ben Shively, congratulations. You just won Res Infinite on PlayStation thanks to I'm 8-Bit. Um, and now it's time for something that, Jenna, you won't be able to hear, but it's called Get a Load of This. <laughs> Don't better understand what you're confused about, Jenna. <laughs> It's a jingle that we all know and love. I've never actually heard the jingle. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> That's actually my get a load of this. Get what? a load of this. I've never heard the get a load of this jingle. What would it take <laughs> for you to listen? List. Top yeah. of the list. Yeah, right listen to the Midmeg Show. Is there anything that we could do to get you to listen to an episode of the Midmeg Show if you're not on it, Sarah? <laughs> Can that be a new show plus? <laughs> Very little. <laughs> what if it was like, it's, it's with your parents and you're not on it? Would you no, listen? even then. <laughs> oh, I'd want to listen to it less. God. <laughs> all right. Hey, uh, this is the part where we all share little factoids that we like. Uh, hey, get a load of this, everybody. Um, Seamus Blackley uh, had this Twitter thread recently. Um, old Xbox talent and worked on Jurassic Park Trespasser. Um, but he told this whole story about how he was working with Spielberg loosely, but then also Kathleen Kennedy. Um, and this was in the 2000s. They were making a successor to Jurassic Park Trespasser and he had the whole pitch and he had a whole trailer that he shared on Twitter here um, and the whole pitch was yeah what if the dinosaurs get off the island and overrun the world and it's going to be called Jurassic World and then at a certain point they said ah uh, actually we're not going to make that game anymore we're going to make a movie so I'd be curious to hear like Colin Trevorrow's thoughts on this and how that exchange happened but at least according to this story he made it seem like it was very much a handoff of they decided to do the movie instead of the game, but maybe took the name from the concept for the game. So weird stuff, but there's a links below for all this funky stuff. Um, Jacob, you got something? Uh, get a load of this. Um, <laughs> Internet funny man, Drew Gooden, uh, is a is a YouTuber who I enjoy quite a lot. And uh, earlier this week, he posted a video called I took a ninja's master class and it ruined my life um, about the uh, our, our favorite Fortnite streamer ninja. Um, has a master class on how to become a popular streamer. Oh boy. Would that be a new show plus option? <laughs> well, here's, master class costs like $180 a year or something. Okay, we can, can do it. Only buy it yearly. So a Patreon goal. Um, but uh, it's just, it's a, it's a very good um, attempt to follow Ninja's uh, tips on streaming and and the the places that it goes, I won't spoil, but it is a, a very good and entertaining video. Interesting. Does it involve a part about how to get a wife that will bring you a sandwich without wearing a bra <laughs> it, while you're in playing? In fact, video those games? are the first words of the video is him reading that <gasps> no! tweet. No. What? I don't even know this, and I feel oh. fortunate for not knowing it. Oh, well, no, I'm changing my get a load to this to this old ninja tweet. <laughs> I don't even know him as a streamer. I just know him as the guy with the brawless wife. <laughs> <laughs> I only know him as that guy who won't stream with women. Right. Yeah. Right. That's right. right. Hey, good times. Uh, when hey. the bra goes back on, you know, <laughs> it's not fun anymore. <laughs> it's all fun and games until. <laughs> uh, Sarah, you got something? Sure. My my get a load of this is that The Sims recently released their new High School Life expansion pack, but with that release, there was also an accidental update to the base game. <laughs> which introduce rapid aging. Yes, uh, and yes. your Sims would just become old very quickly, but also an accidental incest where your Sims would start to fall in love and want to date their family members. Um, and when I was looking into it, 
<laughs> I realized this isn't even the first time they've accidentally let incest into the Sims <laughs> There was like a, apparently in 2017 too. Ax- there was like a bug that also had incest as an option. Um, but I'm waiting for them to fix that because I'm really afraid to like open my Sims game and see my family's like. I would really like to date my brother. God, there is there is a saga to unfold there of like. I know this isn't made by Maxis, but kind of like the Maxis family tree's history of just like sex and don't games. Don't describe it like that. I guess that's a confusing <laughs> way. Yeah. Phrasing for the, the lineage. I don't know how to phrase it. But no, just like going back to like Sims Online when they tried launching that. And it's like, yeah, it just turned into a place for cyber sex within like a day. Or going back I to mean, like. I that's like what every online space right, but, is. But with Maxis, it's bizarre going back to like Simcopter. There was like. Um, oh, there was the nudes, There was right? the nudes scene where it was like just a bunch of naked guys running out. Uh, and then also it was like Sim Tower. I think it's like if you got to the 69th floor, it was just like an orgy. Like it's just like a weird sexual history for that company. <laughs> the, guy who put that that Sim, the guy who put that Sim Copter thing in there did that as a protest. He was a gay man. Really? For, yeah, working for Max. You can find information on it online. He, he put that in as a protest and he did get fired for it. <laughs> God damn. Oh. <laughs> the, the day the himbos arrived in Sim Copter. Do <laughs> <laughs> you think in the, the Sims 4 they could confine the rapid aging to uh, one beach in the game, uh, <laughs> or maybe you a just have your Sims portrait. go to the beach that makes you old. The opposite yeah. of the fountain of youth, the mm-hmm. beach of old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good storytelling. Uh, Jenna, did you, did you bring something to the to the class? Oh yeah! Hey, get a load of this. They're making a live action sequel to Whispers of the Heart. What is that? Y'all, y'all, y'all don't know Whispers of the Heart. It's no. a Studio Ghibli movie. It's one of their like slice of life, not super. It's the the. Basically, the prequel to The Cat Returns, if you're familiar with The Cat Returns. I love The Cat Returns. Okay, okay. Is so this, this is a is... slice-of-life, non-fantasy movie that comes before The Cat Returns. Oh. Uh, it's great. It's one of my favorite Ghibli movies. It's, uh, if, you, if you want, like, just, again, like a nice, uh, here's a movie about kids trying to figure out what they want to do, like, what their passion is. Yeah. It's just, like, a really good movie to watch to, to restore that feeling of, like, yeah, I feel passionate about something and I'm going to devote my life to it. Um, but they're making a live action sequel to Weird. this Studio Ghibli movie. It's weird that it's like a sequel, like yeah, yeah. not just and the movie. Is it will the cat yeah. inevitably be like a big part of it? Like, will you I, not I, be able no. to not include the cat in the sequel? <laughs> will he be wearing I, a fancy little tuxedo? Of course he will. I hope he'll still be voiced by Carrie Elway, but probably not, huh? <laughs> probably not in this Japanese movie. Am I too much of a snob for, like, any Ghibli movie that's not directed by Miyazaki? I'm like, eh, I don't want to bother oh, with they're it. They're the best. My favorite is uh, Only Yesterday, and that was not, that's not a Miyazaki. Yeah? Directed, it's by Isao. Okay. Um, and there's just they're they're very different. They're very much slice of life and they're less they're less magical, but they're they're magical in their emotions. Mm. Oh, <laughs> so you're this truly get you to watch Grave of the Fireflies, Ben. Yeah, well, oh. that one's supposed to be a real bummer, right? No, no, yeah. no. Yeah, that's not a fun slice of life. Don't you cannot lie to him about how much of a bummer Grave of the I can handle is. I can handle bummer, Sarah, that's if you're crime. like if you sincerely want me to watch it. Can we do like a movie trade off? No, no that, that would be like emotional damage. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's you. You think you can handle Grave? <laughs> I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was. Somebody. You cannot. Uh, Leo, do you got some? Uh, get a load of this. Okay. It's a video. It's called editing everything everywhere all at once. Ooh. It's 
pretty much just an ad for the Adobe suite. But it is really thrilling to have actual footage of the timeline, the Adobe Premiere timeline of everything everywhere all at once. That's cool. Oh, wow. It's an interesting peek into a feature film that I have not gotten a lot. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, that's what I edited in. Close to home. That's a, the budget for that film is shockingly low. And, like, the team that made it is really small. Like, didn't they all, like, teach themselves special effects for, like, all of the special effects scenes and stuff? Like, Yeah, the post-visual effects are, was a team of five people working oh from God, home. Oh, God. It's ridiculous. Um, there's a good interview with um, the Daniels, the directors, on the, was it the Mindscape podcast? But it's with a physicist, and it's just diving into the, if you're really into the physics angle of that, um, it's, it's cool to hear an actual physicist talk about multiverse and all that fun stuff. Um, also, we have L-Train in the Discord. There's a good load of this channel in there. If you support us at any tier on Patreon, uh, it helps support us, and you get access to wonderful Discord, and L-Train shared in this constantly updating get a load of this channel. Um, the, an article from Bleeping Computer that apparently Winamp is releasing new versions after four years in development so winamp will be returning everybody run don't walk so get a lot of that uh that's it for this episode of the podcast jenna thanks for joining us me yeah um if people want to get more of you where should they go what should they do uh i stream at the underscore jenna so you can find me on twitch i'm streaming games and stuff uh, I'm on Twitter at the Jenna, no underscore on that one. Uh, and I also have a podcast. Uh, it's a real play Pathfinder podcast called Burnt Cookbook Party. Um, you can find us everywhere. We're BCB Party, pretty much everywhere. Twitter, Patreon, wherever you want to find us. But super funny and super smart and also super, super dumb. And okay. you should definitely check it out. It's really good. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, are you interested in, I don't know, doing more video production for an outlet? Are you, do you want to get hired on another site? Do you have ambitions or you want to take a break for a while or how are you feeling? Um, I mean, both. I definitely want to take a break for a while. It's been some years, you know? Yeah. Hey, y'all know how it's been in some years? It has been some um, years. So I am, I am going to take a little bit of some downtime if I can all manage that emotionally. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, I love making videos genuinely. So I hope to get back in there in some some manner freelance or full-time or independent we'll see yeah awesome well thanks so much for joining us appreciate it um let's see things we have coming up here at minmax we have well party chat happened on monday it's our patreon exclusive podcast let's see jacob geller was on this week's episode jill grote formerly of game and performer joined us as well um we talked about there's a lot of just kind of weighing through different options for <laughs> minmax's path um so thanks everybody for providing feedback on everything we impact in that episode and also of course jacob geller and i review uh, the episode of Blank Check that had Lin-Manuel Miranda on it talking about all that jazz. So if you're into that exact Venn diagram, that episode is for you. So thanks, everybody, who unlocks when, that when podcast. When is the new show plus where we just talk about Blank Check? <laughs> we'll put it, we just need to get it all out. I'll, let's just put it in the poll next week. Might as well, dude. Um, <laughs> JJ the Researcher is our biggest fan, so shout out to JJ if he's listening. Uh, also, uh, we launch Better Together, which is our monthly multiplayer series. The first Tuesday of every month, we are going to be playing games with each other, playing games with the community. Um, but we stream that, and the archive is up on YouTube right now, and it is with Sarah and myself and Charles McGregor and Janet and Jeffum, and we're all playing Fortnite in a private match with the community. It was a fun time, so thanks everybody for joining us for that. Um, 
because we launched all these new shows on Twitch, so each Tuesday is going to be one of these new shows, uh, buckle up because this coming Tuesday is going to be the first episode of Ana Diaz's new show, kind of the spiritual successor to Refreshed, which is called Ana's Internet Cafe. Last I heard... I don't think she was locked in on the concept yet, but look forward to it. It'll be 7.30 p.m. Central on Twitch um, for the big series debut of Anna's new show. Uh, that's it. Uh, Jacob, you got anything to plug? Um, my, my YouTube channel is Jacob Geller. Go there. Watch the videos. That sounds good. That sounds great. You did one on Community that's on Nebula exclusive. That's Working true. If you episode. if you want to hear more talk about Community and would like to subscribe to a more uh, creator helpful video platform, uh, go check out Nebula. I have a video on Community there. Awesome. Uh, thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon. Thanks to everybody who supports us at that $50 tier, the Game Champion tier. We have a whole new fun batch of folks. Uh, Jenna, how this works is they support us just for one month, however much they want uh, at the $50 tier. They can choose any game under the sun and we officially declare them the champion of that game. And then they're in the running to win the Game Championship and create bonus content about that game. So the, you can choose any game you want and spiral in your eyes here. They chose the Magic School Bus Explores the Human Body as oh, the game. Yeah. They're officially the champion of and i would like to play that game uh playing the best episode of magic school bus can i just retroactively add that to the tv show conversation yeah it might be the greatest <laughs> episode to you of all time the baseball episode of zero friction is also very fun but i hear you I like the haunted house one with the sound waves mm, another yeah, banger yeah. Anyways, Plain Shane, out of any game ever, chose Power Stone 2. They're the champion of Power Stone 2. Congratulations, Plain Shane. Matthew Paxton is a person uh, after my own heart. Apparently, I think they asked if they could do this, and I said, please do, and then they followed through on it and supported us in a big way. So Matthew Paxton is officially the champion of Mog House, which is the game from Gold Saucer within Final Fantasy VII. So it is an excellent, excellent mm. choice, but you are the champion. No one breeds Moogles like you, Matthew. Uh, Joel Husselman chose Quest for Glory 4, Shadows of Darkness. Hell yeah, Joel. Great choice. I love a very specific and clearly nostalgic pick for you. Um, so thanks everybody who supports us on Patreon has chosen a game like that. And thanks so much for watching and listening, everybody. And we'll see you next week. Be good, have fun, let's go. Let's go.